When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's November 12th here in New York and South Carolina, November 13th in Japan, where Milo is, of course, located. Um, we're, we're bringing you a, a dual a dual day recording here. That's our new thing now. Um, Milo lives in the future now. We just had to get used to that. Well, Milo always lived in the future, actually, but now he lives way in the future. Even more so. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, what's every? How's everybody been doing? 
I know we've been racked by some drama here on the on the voice gate sphere lately. I don't want to give these people that much attention. I just want to say when you take your bullshit to a torrent description and, you know, you make yourself like a petty fucking idiot, you know, and you had people who, who have nothing to do with us basically calling you a dipshit for doing that and you're in, in the comments of the torrent. I think it's pretty clear, um, you know, what kind of people we're dealing with here. But that's fine. Just in the future, if you don't like Open the Voice Gate, feel free not to listen to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be fine with our other 3,000 listeners. So just wanted to say that first. I'm the petty one. So I will be the I will be the petty one and call you people out. So we're talking about like three people here. They don't matter. And I'll never mention them again. But um, just when it, when it goes to torrent description, that's a little ridiculous. So. And for the record, everybody, not everybody can get Nico to work. I've tried. Everybody, everybody knows I've tried to get Nico to work over and over and over again. It just does not want to stream on my computer like with any with any great speed anymore. But um, I don't know. I, I finally got to work at, at our at our buddy's house, which is how I watched Skate of Destiny on Nico before that dropped. But in, there's other people like I know Joe Lanza doesn't want to take his credit cards no matter how much he tries. So, you know, it's not just about people being cheap. It's just sometimes Nico doesn't work. It's a trash but. site. Like, let's call a spade a spade. It's the worst iPay-per-view format out there. Yeah, like when Ustream was a thing, I was buying, I bought every single show. It's just like, Ustream I, hate, I hate paying $15 and not knowing if it's going to go at like five frames per second or not, you know? Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's just stupid stuff. We don't really have it's to send any more. It's kind of just what I what I said the other day is that like we're gonna be in 2027. Secret Base will have a, a streaming service, and Dragon Gate still won't have one. <laughs> Probably. But. I, I I mean, Secret Base. At least you know it seems like that they do like that kind of stuff. Like I wouldn't be surprised Secret Base does that. You know. No. Okay, or they, just they, don't care. Gayor is never going to let anybody do that, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, the, like the day of Dragon Gate streaming, like, you know, I would love to spend $10 a month and get all the Dragon Gate shows. That'd be fucking awesome. I'd pay that in a heartbeat. And I just signed up for the, I just signed up for the Big Japan one, and they haven't even gotten us anything yet. Oh, like, wow. Like, we're, we're still waiting on this Corican. But The one from 15? Yeah, the one, no, the one from, like, the one from, like, November 1st, I guess. Jeez. Oh. Not the not the tag leaf on the next one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but like we we kind of I thought it'd be out, but like I I haven't checked in a few days. Maybe it's out now, but like as of a few days ago, it still wasn't out yet, okay. which is like what am I paying for here? But um, you know, it's still cool to have that archive though. They have like all the Korokins dating back like three years or something. But cool. this isn't Big Japan Gate though. It's uh, Voice Gate, so. It, it, it um, would have to be called something really lame, like open the streaming gate, right? Yeah, probably. Or Prime Zone. Or Prime Zone. Oh, God. I miss Prime Zone having <laughs> subtitles. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, know why they ever stopped doing that. Uh, the person who did it left, basically. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. It, so what is what what has been going on in your lives, fellow chuckle fucks? <laughs> uh, so I made a couple references about it, but for once, my college football team at Alamater isn't trash, and everyone hates us, and I love it. 
This is why we got like a million college football questions in the fucking mailbag this hey, week. Hey, no, hey. but if college football is, I can barely understand when Mike talks about baseball. <laughs> oh, oh, and college football is its own like world of that. And actually, John, fellow University of Miami alumnus and friend of the program, Jojo Remy, told me that there is another way to stream Dragon Gate pay per views that you pay for. Yeah, but you have to. You, I have to set a Japanese VPN up is the only thing. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't have one at the moment. But maybe I'll, maybe I'll ask Mort about it or something. Yeah, I know, I know a friend of the show, brother Mort, who's a, you know, a, the guy who runs a real hero archive. He has all those VPNs set up, so I'll have to, I'll have to ask him about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe that'll be something worth looking into. It's just the Nico video player is so bad. It, like it just it runs at like five frames per second for me. It's like unwatchable half the time. But my, my internet does admittedly suck, but that's the only one that does that. Like, I have DDT Universe, New Japan World, uh, every fucking else thing, Big Japan Core we just mentioned. None of them run like that for me. So I don't, I don't know what it is with my, my internet and Nico. Yeah. But it just it does not work out. I've had... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Milo. No, I, I was going to say, I've had some issues with DDT Universe where it doesn't let me skip ahead sometimes. Like to, on a not not in live streams obviously, but in uh, after when they on, on mm. the replay. But yeah, usually the live streams work perfectly. Yeah, the live streams work better than the than the uh, the watching back on DT Universe. I noticed that too. Like sometimes the watching stuff back on DT Universe can be a little wonky, but the live stream is like perfect. And you know they they air those Corkins at noon on Sundays. So, like, that's the perfect time for the East Coast people to watch it live. Oh, wow. Um, that's, uh, like, 10, right? Yeah, well, it, well, before Daylight Savings, it was 11. And now that we've, you know, did the fallback thing, it'll be 10 o'clock, which is even better. But even 11, you know, you could sit through a three-hour show at 11 p.m. It's just these New Japan shows and Dragon Gate and stuff that start, at like, 3.30 in the morning or 4.30 in the morning. It's like, I can't do that. I have a I have a 9-to-5 job. I mean, really, 10-to-6, but, like, you know. I'm an adult. I can't. I can't be. I for a while I was trying to get up at like 4:30 in the morning to watch the Dragon Gate Corrigans live, and my girlfriend just fucking. She was like, "You have to stop doing this. Like you're waking me up every time you wake up. I just can't. You oh, can't wow. do this." And I was like, "Yeah, I just I can't do this anymore." So, the only one I'm gonna get away with is I'm gonna do for I. You know this. I didn't do this last year, but usually I take off for Wrestle Kingdom, so I'll probably do that again. But um, as far as like Dragon Gate goes, though, it's not it's not a problem when Nico actually works. It's just the Nico watching it back on uh, whatever the fuck they call it. Time shift. Time shift. Thank you. Like it doesn't it just doesn't work for me that well. So. So, Milo, uh, I know that this weekend you went to go see High and Low Final Mission, was it? I did. How was it? It was. um... It was way different than what I expected. Like, like I don't, I don't want to say anything because I know that you're going to watch it and that uh, Dylan Justin wants to watch the show as well. So I don't want to like spoil anything, but um, it was a lot, a lot different than what I thought it was going to be. And, and was Especially- it indeed the final mission? Yes. Okay. I think. <laughs> so I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything. Fair enough. I don't. I don't know what this is. 
But it was um, it was a it was really really like I really really liked it. I think the previous movie was probably the best that that they've done um, out of everything. But this was really good. It was yeah. It was uh, it was really good. I was I cried. So you know. Oh, it's a Japanese. Japanese. It's a Japanese movie. That's what this says. Just explain mm-hmm. to our fans that are people at home who like me have no idea what's going on. This is a uh, it's a Japanese live action movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a series. Yeah. So they had it subtitled in English, Milo, in Japan? Absolutely not. Absolutely oh. not. Um, so you just went there understanding like every every fourth word? I just, it's like, okay, so basically the way I do it is that I've seen like the two seasons and the two movies that have been subtitled. I've seen them like twice, both. And um, so when I went to, when I arrived here, the, the second, uh, well, the second, technically third movie had just come out. So I went to see it. Um, with my friend who speaks Japanese and she was kind of just like trying to explain to me in a hushed voice <laughs> <what's going on. laughs> but the thing is that also because um, when you know the characters you can kind of make out like what they're saying and what they're going out about I see and so I, I understand a few things and, and I can kind of uh, infer from like their behavior and knowing them what's going on gotcha um, but yeah so I don't know what's been going on with me. Really, nothing. Just had my. I had some friends over yesterday. Just hung out. Didn't really do anything. Um, and now I'm getting happened, John. You, what? What? You absolutely trounced me in the voices of wrestling fantasy hockey league. Oh, I, I see. I haven't even checked it once since we <laughs> since we started. I, apparently, I just really wanted to draft, and then I have not. <laughs> I have not edited my rosters. I mean, I haven't watched any hockey this year. Like, basically, I've watched like maybe two games. So I can't. If I don't really even care about regular hockey, it's pretty hard for me to care about fantasy hockey. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. See, yeah, this is like. Uh, hockey is my hockey is to me what high and low is to you, John. I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, I mean, I I like I was just saying, I I barely know what I'm talking about, so I don't really I haven't watched it all this year, but we'll see, I guess. I'm thinking about going to a Kings game. I'm thinking about flying to LA for the uh, for the March 25th New Japan show there. You know the mm-hmm. Long Beach, the Long Beach thing, and then the Kings are playing Monday night at home against I think Calgary or something. So I was thinking about just staying an extra day and going to that game. But then I was like, should I do that? I'm not even watching the games at home. But hockey really is way more exciting in person. Oh, absolutely! So, I go to minor so, league hockey around here all the time. Yeah, maybe I'll just do it. And Kings games are so much cheaper than Rangers games. Which is why I don't. I never go to live Rangers games in New York. It's just so expensive, and I don't care enough to go all the way to Long Island to see the Islanders. So. Hey, buddy, come to Greenville. You can watch the Greenville Swamp Rabbits for eight bucks. It's great. Mm, yeah, we don't. There's nothing that's eight dollars in New York. <laughs> but but the main thing I'm excited for is next weekend is Anime NYC, which is New York's first anime con um, in like God, in like eight years or something. So I'm really excited for that. Like New York City has not had this is the biggest city in the fucking country. There's anime cons everywhere, and we have not had a real anime con in I think since 2000. I don't know, it might be like 13 years. I'm trying to remember the last Big Apple Anime Festival. I think it was like 2004, 2005. So it's been a long time because um, it, it it got sucked into New York Comic Con when New York Comic Con started. But like people didn't realize, I guess, that the whole reason why anime con split off. 
from like comic and sci-fi conventions in the first place was because they got no space or time on the schedule basically. So like there was like they made a they made like a half-hearted attempt at it for like a year or two to include it. And after that, from what I understand, I, I never went, so I don't really know. But from what I was told, it was basically shoved into like the space of a closet. And it's like, yeah, the anime track is like in this closet over here. Have fun. So I'm glad they broke off again from the um the comic oppressors. And like the, the convention like sold out in its first year too, so the interest is clearly here. But Are you doing a panel? No, I'm not doing a panel at this one. I didn't. I didn't find out about this fast enough to like submit a panel application. Like I found out about it by the time I found out it was happening. Panel applications were already closed. So, mm-hmm. but they didn't have a lot of panel space anyway. So I probably wouldn't have gotten like they probably only had enough room for like anime and cosplay stuff anyway. So, um, but I'm still excited. I really can't wait to meet the director, Princess Principal, which is a show I really like. And there's like a couple concerts and stuff. It looks cool. But that's next weekend. This weekend, I didn't really do anything. Um, with that, though, we should probably get into Dragon Gate. Yes. So we got a lot to talk about. We do have a lot to talk about. Um, can start out with the Gate of Destiny, November 3rd, Kirken Hall. Actually, before we do that, I want to I mention one other thing, which is... Um, if the last year, of course, you may know, we started the Open the Voice Gate uh, year end awards. So with that, we had, a, we had a tremendous response to that. A lot of people sent in ballots. Really cool. And we want to do that again this year. So if you're a listener and you have watched, you know, any any amount of Dragon Gate this year, um, we definitely want to hear from you. So I'm going to put the ballot. It's a Google Doc link. It'll be in the description of this episode. It'll be on the Voice of Wrestling page. It'll be on the Voice of Wrestling form. It's already on Twitter. So you, I mean, you can't, you really can't miss the ballot. It's everywhere. So all you have to do is send us the ballot, send us your ballot to open the voice gate at gmail.com. You can send it in the body of the email. You can send it as an attachment, your own Google Doc, whatever you want to do. So open the voice gate gmail.com. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> Carrier pigeon, whatever. Smoke signal. We just smoke signal. I just really want to get your ballot. So send me your ballots. Um, the balloting will be open until January seventh. It's the it's like the observer award, so it'll be December through November. So in other words, December twenty sixteen counts. So final gate twenty sixteen. If you're like me and you really liked that Yamato Doi match, which I know no one but me liked. I'm going to vote for that. That's going to get a match of the year vote from me and probably from nobody else, but maybe somebody will prove me wrong. But yeah, December through November. I, I mean, I'll throw a, probably a vote on the Class of 2016 versus Veterans match from that from that December 1st Corkin. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Sorry, it didn't count for the Blasters ballot, right? No. No, I don't think so. So the 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 only other show left, the only major show left that, that still counts for this year's ballot is I mean, with the addition of the Sendai pay per view this year on November twenty sixth, that will count for this year's ballot. So you probably should wait until you see that until you see that match to vote. But um until you see that show I mean. But like yeah, you know, I just wanted to start getting the ballot out there. Uh, if you don't, if you don't care, if you don't, if you're very confident, you won't see anything match or like show of the year, or match of the year worthy in Sendai. But I guess send your ballot now. But honestly, you should probably wait till you see that show. But anyway, so that out of the way, we have the Gate of Destiny, November third, twenty seventeen. Speaking of awards, I, I have a feeling a lot of 
this show is going to be showing up on a lot of show of the year lists and some matches from this show are going to show up on a lot of match of the year lists because I thought this was Dragon Gate's best pay-per-view of the year by a mile. Like, not even close. I don't know how you... I don't know about you guys, but... Oh, yeah. I'm the same way. I have four matches that I gave four stars to, which never happens. Yeah, same same for me. And it's kind of creepy. John and my match ratings are eerily similar, and we're never close. So, it's... Yeah, I thought it was a great show. I loved it from top to bottom, and it was... There's a lot of interesting things that I think out of this show and then the Corkin on the 8th that I think it's going to be worth getting into. Milo, what did you think about the show overall? I thought it was really good. <clears throat> yeah, I thought it was... Um, I thought it felt more coherent than a lot of the big shows that we've had this year. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so so about we just start the, start at the bottom, I guess, work our way up. The dark match, Shun Skywalker defeated Yo Watanabe in six eleven with the Skywalker moonsault. Um, first on Hyo Watanabe, I wanna I wanna say something real quick because we, we we I heard from Jay. Uh, you might have seen his tweet at us, and then I talked to him in private afterwards, like via email. Jay, of course, who runs iHeartDG. The I had heard a while back from a source in Japan that I trusted that uh, Hyo Watanabe was. You know, you know, had disciplinary problems b- backstage, and we had joked about that a bunch. And Jay is like, uh, you know, who again is very close to Dragon Gate office. He kind of reached out and said he doesn't think that's really true, and you know, he thinks it's just more of a skill thing with him. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that my source is necessarily wrong, but I did want to point out that you know, Jay, who again is very close to DG office, would would he would know too, and he says. It's more of a skill level thing for him as far as why he hasn't been on the cards as much this year. So it's one to it's one to throw that out there. Yeah. Were you gonna say, Myla? No, I don't know. That seems a little odd because he always like he seems at a pretty normal level for someone his experience, but okay. Yeah, I just want to throw that correction out. Just be just uh, not correction. Just like you know his that. Yeah, addendum. That's what that's how that's what Jay says, and I, I wanted to get that out to the listeners too. And you know, I'll try not to joke about it as much since it's not really a confirmed thing. But but I stand by my source too, and that's what my source told me. So and, and to be fair to Hyo, like I'm the the biggest Hyo fan in the world. Uh, it is kind of hard for both him and Shun this year when you have someone who's basically been a rookie supernova like Binkei. You know, it, it's been hard for the two of them to get noticed, and then all the the sadness about Yoshioka and Takashima too. So it all makes sense, you know, it, and I, there was some neat stuff in this opener, but I mean, it was just kind of there. Uh, I, what do you, what do you think of the new look, the like the gladiator thing with the gold hair Watanabe had going on? I, I liked the split tights when he wore them at a dangerous gate, the hair, uh, you know, (laughs) the hair looks really bad. Yeah. Some people's hair can't take bleach. You know, <laughs> um, any any thoughts on the match, Milo? I mean, it was a rookie opener. I, I mean, at this point, you don't really feel like you kind of say the same thing over and over, right? Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, I really don't like this look for Hio. I just wish he would go back to like normal shorts and his normal hair. And Shun still looks like a space fraud, which he really needs to fix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, 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 no, I just. 
Sorry, go ahead. I'll say the ears on the mask still bother me to this day. The the entire thing still bothers me. It's just bad. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I just, I was really um, interested in seeing how Shun was going to fare actually in this sort of setting because I feel like he's often kind of just the flippy guy in a team and never really kind of gets opportunities to show off as a solo guy. So I was looking forward to it and I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah, he did like this really neat like ropes long senton during the match that I that I made note of. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And of course, Hio has his prawn bomb that I really love. So I, I thought they both did all right. It, it's interesting how little they've had one on one matches though. Like you were saying. Uh, and then match the the proper opener of the show was an eight man tag, uh, Kness. Sachioko, who, by the way, Ricochet called him Kneth. How the fuck does Ricochet not know how to pronounce his name after all these years? Shaking my head at you, buddy. That was at the <laughs> during the during his graduation ceremony. Um, but yeah, Kness, Sachioko boy. Everybody keeps talking about graduation ceremony. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Huh? At the end of the Corican. Oh, I didn't. I didn't watch until the end. But I I like. Turned it off after the eighth turn. Okay, but uh, so Kness, Tachiyoko Boy, Yosuke Santa Maria, and Mysterioso defeating Gamma, Mondai Ryu, Kaito Ishida, and Jason Lee. Uh, Kness pinning Kaito Ishida in seven forty seven with the Akari Noa. Um, so this is this is a kind of match that like. Wait. It did... Sorry. I have to say something. Okay. Um, Kness doing Kamen Rider cosplay is my new favorite thing. <laughs> he, that's what it is, right? That's what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. the the current Kamen Rider. Ah, that's he awesome. He does the, the 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 split gear is a, a play on the on the suit, and he does the pose too. That's awesome. But yeah, the, the red and blue split gear is really cool looking. It reminds me of Kamen Rider Double too, but like this yeah, is yeah, well, on... because yeah, because Double had um had a red and blue form. Yeah. But this is like the colors of the base form for the the current current Kamen Rider. Gotcha. Um, but yes, yeah, so this one's seven forty seven. Uh, Kness pinning Ishida. This was I. It was one of these openers that you know when I saw the time, it actually felt a little longer than that, and not in a bad way. Like I didn't realize they only went under eight minutes. So um, it was it was a perfectly fine opener. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not. They, I I really like the the whole the whole end part where like um, Maria kind of had like a run of kisses basically where she like you know kissed i think it was jason lee and then she did like the whole ballroom setup and kissed ishida and then that kind of set up left ishida open for the hikari noa i thought that was a pretty fun pretty clever little finish but yeah i i enjoyed this it was pretty pretty funny man i can't believe that kness of all people is getting like a mini push right now i'm here for it though I mean, I am 100% here for it. Like, if I was any more here for it, I would literally morph into Case. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just, like, of all people, you know? Any any thoughts on the match, Mike? Uh, yeah, it, it, we can get a little bit more into Lee when we talk about Corkin, but I love him in Dragon Gate. I'm glad to see that he earned himself not only more tours, but a unit spot, so that's awesome. Mysterioso, uh, this might be me. He didn't. He between the two shows, he didn't do as much for me. He just. I don't know. I I thought he was okay. 
I mean, as far as like being a big, bulky yeah, luchador, because like people don't realize that people here are luchador and think he's going to be a small guy, but now he was a big dude. I thought he like there was a one point I don't I don't remember who the fuck was chopping him. I think it might have been Monday Ryu, where he just completely no sold it, and I was and it, and it was a, it was a pretty cool spot. So I thought he did. I mean, he, I definitely would not. It wouldn't break my heart if he wasn't back or anything, but um, I thought he was okay. Yeah, he's a he's a big boy. Like, and that's the thing that kind of, like, really took me aback is he, he is, since he's bigger, he doesn't necessarily have, like, the speed that I guess we're accustomed to if Luchadors have come through lately, either, uh, uh, of course, Flamita and Jurassic Boy. So I guess that's what stuck out. Yeah. But it, um, it was a fun opener. I, I'm all aboard the Canestrian. I'm sad that the uh, Brave Gate match is probably not going to make tape. It could make tape as a bumper, right? Yeah, that's what I'm when expecting. What's It's in, uh, I think, it's... It's in It's in President, uh, what's his name's hometown, Okamura's hometown. Yeah. It's like part of the, part of the contract is they get a certain number of title matches. So, um, it's on, I think, on the 13th. I don't remember the name of the, I don't remember the name of the setting. Let me look it up. It's on huh? the 19th. It's Nobio Nobio. Yeah. Nobio Okay. So, there you go. It's not going to, the whole show won't make tape. Uh, the title match might make tape as a bumper. But. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> uh, so match two, T-Hawk, Yasushi Kanda, and Punch Tomonaga of Berserk defeating Don Fuji, Ryu Saito, and UT. 952, uh, T-Hawk pinning UT with the Cerebrus. Not much to this, just kind of like your normal heel uh, six-man. I mean, I, anytime Fuji and Saito are teaming up together, I always get a kick out of it. They have, like, weird chemistry for two people who... You know, haven't been a regular tag team in like 15 years. <laughs> so how dare I mean, you get the Iron Perm team? Oh, they they were Iron Perm together, really? Oh no, I'm thinking about. Uh, sorry, you're thinking of Fuji and Doi, buddy. That's right. Oh no, no, yeah, no, Fuji- no, they're the cycle enthusiasts. Yeah, that's why I said 15 years. Right. <laughs> it was like 2002. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like Do- Fuji and uh, Fuji and Saito, they still have weird chemistry together, even though they haven't been a regular team in a long time. And UT's, you know, doing his thing. Um, he definitely looks he's he looks in a like he's in a better spot than he's been in since the millennials ended, basically. Yeah. So um but yeah, I mean obviously the news on a show we're not gonna cover today, but the we we heard that UT is gonna end up basically a, a UT contra UT match between Tribe Vanguard and Maximum in I think next time they're in Kobe, right? That's that's one of the schedule for. I think so. I think uh, it's a Kobe match, Kobe Sambo. Um, I mean, I'll look that up real quick. I don't want to give out bad information. Yeah, it, it's but, a Kobe. Yeah, so Kobe Sambo Hall next time that we're going to see where UT ends up. Um, but yeah, so he's definitely made a name for himself here lately compared to what he was doing before injury, especially. But he did eat the pin here with uh, T-Hawk hitting him with the Cerebrus. Um, I, Cerebrus. Okay, Cerebrus. whatever. Terrible. I really like that move. It yeah. is a cool. It's a cool. I really move. like that move. Mm-hmm. T Hawk. T Hawk has edged up my list lately. From like he's off the shit list, he's back to like mid tier for me. So um, I still don't think he's ready to main event or anything. But in a, like as far as like a mid card heel, he's totally perfectly acceptable. Well, you um, gotta get ready for that though. 
Uh, yeah, I know. But but look, look, if if he if his idea of main eventing is the team with Ada again, that would be awesome. Oh, totally. Like, I'd be I would be really down with like exactly. there, that. That was the that was the best period for for T Hawk in my opinion. Anyway, post post fake Naoki anyway. It was, was a team. Re- I, it was a really really good team. Yeah, so I really I would like to see the two of them. You know that that'd be totally fine. I just don't really want to see T Hawk with the Dream Gate anytime soon. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. Um, as far as how do you how do you like uh, Conda as a heel again, Milo? So far, so I know you're looking forward to that. I'm horny. You're what? <laughs> I'm horny for him. Oh, you're horny. Okay. I mean, I'm always horny for Conda, but especially heel Conda, like hashtag it and everything. <laughs> but um, no, no, I really like it. I feel like he's back in. He's um, you know, as the kids like to say, back on his bullshit. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, no, I, I like him as a kind of pissed off veteran, um, basically forcing people to put some respect on his name. Yeah, it's 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 cool. I mean, um, I so far his his mannerisms have changed a little less than I expected. Like I thought maybe he would really go all the way with the healness of it and like not do the John Woo so much, but. Then again, he used to do the John Woo all the time when he was a heel in his original run, so I guess I shouldn't expect it otherwise. But he kind of feels like the same guy to me, just now with more box attacks, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but maybe it's just because I'm so now. Now it's because I'm so maybe it's just I'm so used to his heel run, like that's not what I know him for anyway. That it's really just not much of an adjustment for me. But it feels like he's been doing this forever anyway. Even even though. He really hasn't been doing it, and like you know, he went like five five years without doing it. But I guess he's he's so good at it. It just feels like he jumped right back on the bicycle. Mm. So we'll be interesting to see now. It's it's not like with Ada turning, which we'll talk about when we get to Kirk, and where I'm really curious if he even remembers how to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At to see what heel Ada really means. Um, but yeah, this as far as this match goes, good match, especially since Punch Tomonaga was barely involved, really. Other than, uh, like, he did the PT kick towards the end, but otherwise he did not play a major role in this match, which is good because he fucking sucks. Um, I, and he, it's kind of, like, I always wonder how Punch has wrestled for so long and is still so freaking horrible. Well, you have to remember, it took him, like, five years to get out of the fucking dojo. Like, he's just really terrible. No, it took him, like, six years to get out of the dojo. It took him a long time. And yeah. really, no... No injury problems either, as far as I know. Just, just he sucked. He's had a couple concussions, but I mean, he was only started to be full time when he joined Matt Blanky. Like, oh no, no, was he full time in Akatsuki? Ba- vaguely, like he uh, he wasn't on all the cards though. Like not full time, full time. I see what you're saying. Yeah, there were. I, I do remember there were some shows where Akatsuki was was just Yamato and Shingo, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so. I, I love the UT and T-Hawk stuff that happened during the match. They had a lot of really fun interplay that I was here for. And uh, especially like the false finish before this, the Cerebrus. I was all about it. So I, you know, I, I know that I was someone that was very skeptical about UT coming back and what his station would be like in Dragon Gate. But he's been awesome. Yeah, I, I, 
I, I was wrong. You know, I, I mean, I think I think Hurricane and, and the Kobe show before this that we're not really talking about. Those are those might have been even better for him than this. But like he's UT has been great. I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, he's he's injected a, a, a great deal of excitement into the mid card, which, you know, the lower mid card, which it desperately needed. Right. So, um, you know, very, very much cool to see UT back. Um, OK, so Brave Gate title match next. The Open Vega title, Kagatora retaining against Genki Horiguchi, making his fourth defense with the Ikitosen. Um, any anyone have any thoughts on this? I thought it was a. I don't. I'm going to look up what I gave. I thought it was a very good match. I think I went like three and a half. Mm. Um, three and three quarters. Yeah, it was a it was a good match. Um, you know, like like every like every other Brave Gate match, seemingly it uh it it suffers from not getting enough time. But but other than that, I thought it was a very good match. Mm. What do you What do you guys think, Mike? Uh, I I my notes from it, uh, and it's kind of hard. I haven't rewatched the show since that day. That there was like a lot of really good knee selling out of Genki out of it. Like I mm. loved how Kagatora uses this really vicious like step over knee bar now, and that was really mm. cool and pretty notable that there was a. Gurma Makakari kick out during the match, but yes. I, I, I really liked it. I mean, it was what I was hoping for, like what you're saying, John. I would love to see it get a couple, get a little bit more time. But given that where I was positioned on the card, it wasn't going to happen, sadly. So, but yeah, yeah, it's weird because I feel like Brave Gate matches used to get more time than this back in the day. I have to look it up and see if that's true or not. But like, I don't remember them being consistently like 11 minutes or less, which it feels like. That's like the maximum Brave Gate match can ever get now. Right. But I don't know. I, I definitely remember like some of those Yoshino, some of those Yoshino Dragon Kid matches and stuff like Doi and all that. I feel like they went longer. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, Milo, what'd you think of it? Um, I liked it a lot. I but it's kind of the same here. You I, you kind of feel like these Brave Gate matches. I mean, I think this was better than previous matches where we've, we've talked about this issue where they never really get to hit really their stride because they don't get the time to do that. Yeah. Right? So with these two, because these are two guys who work pretty fast, it was... Um, I really liked uh, everything, the finish, the, the Gurumakakari kickout was really notable. Um, kind of thought I won with Ikitosen, right? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, I feel and it's I feel like it's a problem that we bring up every time there's a Brave Gate match on this show for like a year. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, it was good, but it didn't really feel like it had middle, beginning and like hot end. It kind of just uh, beginning, middle and, he- and hot end. I don't know what it just kind of feels like. It feels like you get the beginning and the hot end, but you don't get a middle. I was going to say more like you get a beginning, you get a, a oh, start, and then you I get see. an abrupt end. I see what you're saying. Instead of a hot stretch. Yeah, that might, be, that might be even better, yeah. So I looked at, I looked this up because I was curious. And yes, the Brave Gate, I'm not going crazy. The Brave Gate matches did used to get way more time than this. Like if you look at the early reigns, like Dory's, the very first Brave Gate reign, Doi, in 2005, when he beat Yoshino in the finals, it went 21 minutes. Super Seas at 18 minutes. Kness, 25-46. Can you imagine a fucking Brave Gate match going 25-46 today? <laughs> uh, Mak- uh, Mak- uh, Makoto Oishi, 16-24. Dragon Kid, 22-41. Uh, 
the match with Dragon Kid beat Naoki for the title, 1640. Dragon Kid against Yoshino, 2008. Uh, Yoshino against Genki, 1619. Yoshino against Mori, 19 minutes, 18 minutes. Like, just, they used to get way more time. Nowadays, if, if a ma- if Gravegate match goes over 11 minutes, it's like a, a fucking miracle, because it almost never happens. So... Well, John, I did some investigating my own. The last uh-huh. Dreamgate match to go over 20 minutes was... Bravegate, Bravegate. Bravegate, did I say Dreamgate? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, that was Tozawa versus Dragon Kid at Dead or Alive 2015. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. What's the last one that went over, like, 15 minutes? Uh, there was a... F- Kagator had one that was over 15 minutes. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, the, the uh, Linda Men final was 15 minutes and 2 seconds, buddy. Wow. Just over it. But Yeah, so... <clears throat> so we're right. I think with these two, there's... There, I mean... I don't know how to put it in... Um, I don't know how to put it in words. You guys know I'm really bad at this. Um, I know, but I liked it. I always love Yankee Hot... You know the, that backslide? You always fall for it. Mm-hmm. It's been like fifteen, over fifteen years. You always fall for it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of great. It, <clears throat> it's the best move in Dragon Gate. I mean, you buy it every time. Mm-mm. And um, so and it it really adds um, uh, a level of excitement that I think is good when you have such a short match because that's what it kind of lights. I think the biggest. Um, kind of victim of that was Ata versus Kagatora. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember that match. I can't even remember what show it was on. It, I think it was Dangerous Gate last year. Yeah, probably. Oh, final, in, final Gate. We had like the most abrupt finish ever. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was just like out of nowhere. I think <laughs> like. He just, like, slapped on the El Numero Uno went home. No, the salamander. Oh, right, that like, was salamander. He Numero Uno. He just did his salamander, and that was over. Jeez. It was, like, anticlimactic finish uh, I've seen in a long time. And um, I feel like this is a problem that there wasn't here because Genki is a guy who can create excitement out of practically nothing. Oh, yeah, and it's one of the things that, like, think back towards uh, Kobe World. I still think he was the star of the show because he was able to just get stuff out of nothing. He w- he basically built up the whole entire tournament from him hitting backslides. You know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, it, I was... Although I had Kagatora winning, I was hoping it was going to be a Horiguchi win just because he's able to do stuff like that. And if these matches are going to be so much shorter nowadays... Might as well give it to someone who knows how to make an eleven-minute match matter. Right. Mm-hmm. So. so for for that, I think Genki was a perfect choice of challenger if you're going to have that match go so short. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the uh, how long the Kness challenge goes. You know, it'll be on a house show, so they might have more time. I mean, yeah, yeah, but you never know with Kness, right? Right. I mean. With- how like banged up he is yeah but but there will be some hot fighting we know how he has a hard on for 
hot fighting, so who knows? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, so we should move on because we got a lot to talk about. We're three matches deep here. Match four, special singles match, Ricochet defeating Ata in 1541 with the 630. Um, anyone who's mad about this match result, I don't really think it matters that much considering uh, Ata immediately turned heel on the very next show. So that's why okay. they probably, they probably felt, they probably felt like he could eat a pen here since he was turning anyway, which I understand that logic. So, okay. So I'm going to take the lead here just so I can get it out of the way. Um, while I think that the result of the match ultimately was less important than the symbolism of it, um, of the match happening, I mean, of, you know, Ata kind of the wonder, I mean, wonder kid when he wants to be, um, facing off against Ricochet, who was, I mean, not arguably the most successful foreigner in the history of Dragon Gate. Um, but I feel like him winning would have kind of um, justified his turn even more. Eh. I, I, I don't I, know, but it's, it's not how they do turns, though. Like, they do... I they know! Do... Listen... It, it's okay. I'm just go ahead. No, no, no. It's it's like I just kind of feel like it could have been a bragging point. I it it could have, but they the way they do turns is a guy turns heel when he's frustrated. That's how yeah. they always do turns in this company. We, the the match we watched to, for the retro match is a great example of that. Like guys in this company always do turns when they're like the the idea is they're frustrated by something. Like that's a common thing. That's why Shingo turned heel. That's why T Hawk turned heel when he was not getting any results and was tired of hearing from people. It's like, it's very common for a guy to turn. Don't get me wrong. I like the match and I'm not mad about, like, I'm not yeah. mad about the result. Like I'm mad about some other results. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I feel like it could have gone either way and been justified. I guess. I just, I think in, it made more sense to me to have eight to lose here and then turn. Cause it was like, you know, he's so annoyed at how everything's been going lately. And, you know, Shima, he didn't really even want to be in this match. Shima just kind of made him do it. And I thought it, made, I thought it added to the resentment. The match itself was fantastic. I, I went oh, like the match was Yeah. I went like four and a quarter on it. I thought this was like as good of a spot fest as you could have, basically. It was really, really good. Oh, the, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, were you going to say about the Fosbury flop? No, I was going to say the, the, the finishing minutes were really good. It was awesome and like for like the first few matches of the show the Sasaka crowd was pretty dead but it seemed like as soon as Ricochet hit the Fosbury flop that like the crowd woke up and was like alright this is a big show time for us to be in the Sasaka crowd but <laughs> it, it and for guys who really haven't worked that much together at least in recent history it's over two years they really meshed hmm so. I, I mean, I, and I really loved how, how how hot that crowd was for Ricochet even after like two years. Yeah, uh, like did did y'all feel the aura that I felt like when Ricochet came out? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure with his pop, it probably helped that he was in. It's not like Ricochet's been gone from Japan in those two years. No, so no, probably, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say, it probably he 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 stayed visible in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, wrestling for New Japan all this time. I'm sure that probably helped. You know, the crowd was ever. Yeah, I think it helped in terms of like staying in people's memories, and I think it helped also in um, in terms of like people realizing that even though he went to New Japan, 
um, he still, you know, made time to come back to Dragon Gate and be like, it shows loyalty. I mean, it show, you can't really call it loyalty because he still went, you know, to another company. But it shows, um, I think something that I really like about Ricochet, even though I don't always like him as a person because he's kind of like, I mean, he's a dumbass, but, but he is. I'm sorry. Um, but one thing that I do love about him is that he's probably the biggest Dragon Gate fan out of all of us. Yeah, he loves Dragon Gate. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he's, um, and he never forgets that that's the company that made him. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, it, it felt also like a, uh, gener- I might be overblowing, but it felt like a generational moment, too. Mm-mm. But, yeah. It's funny because Ricochet's not that much older than Ada. Yeah, like. Ada, yeah, no, I mean, Ricochet was born in 87. He's almost 30. Wow. And Ada's, what, 25? He's 26. So, yeah. 20- He's still really fucking young. I don't know if people realize that or not. Yeah. They were talking about this on, on the Voice Wrestling flagship, like oh. how young old people are still. Mm hmm. But, um, yeah, they all start. They all started really, really young, and Ricochet was in, in Dragon Gate from a pretty young age too. So yeah, I mean, Ricochet started wrestling when he was like fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. It's insane. Both him and Chuck Taylor started crazy young in Kentucky, and they couldn't even wrestle Kentucky. They were so young; they would have to go to other states. <laughs> yeah, because Kentucky is one of these. Is one of these. Uh, you know, what the hell's it called again? Like it's like one of the last com- commissions that does anything. Yeah. States that have like child labor laws? No. On commissions. Yeah. Yeah, like wrestling commissions. No, in, in in America you can work as young as fourteen with uh with parent permission. Jesus. It's, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty pretty disgusting. But like the deal is in wrestling and I know Kentucky's one of the states. I think Oregon used to be, but like they used to have like a from, like, back when wrestling wasn't worked, they used to have, like, a commission that, like, you'd have to go, go get, like, your blood work, go get all the things and taken care of, and then you'd be, like, pay for, like, your commission card. But Kentucky is one of the few states that one of the rules of being sanctioned is they have to be over the age of 18. So Ricochet and Chuck mm-hmm. Taylor used to go wrestle in Indiana instead. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I actually kind of want to address what uh, Joe and Rich said on the flagship about why they why everyone kind of freaks out about Ada and uh, T-Hawk and I think that something that people choose either don't recognize or choose not to recognize in Dragon Gate is for the big stars Dragon Gate has always been a looks and youth promotion they've mm-hmm. they've always had stars that are the aces have been more closer to idols than anything like that's yeah. that's how it was marketed from the beginning was that the that it was like there was the whole trope about oh it was girls in the LGBT community but it's true like they they, they go for that so the fact that Mochizuki's 47 the fact that Shima is 40 and all and I mean Hulk's 37 so yeah even even the guys that you don't think of as being old are are getting up there and, yeah, yeah. and I mean old yeah 37 I, I mean, he's not much older than I am, but in Dragon Gate terms, he's older. Yeah. 
But, like, it's a thing. And really, the bigger problem with T-Hawk and Ada is that you get people who are generational fans, the people who are the Tormon Japan fans, the people who are the T2P fans. I feel like that every month I kind of go on about this. But it's a thing, and they had to find a way for T-Hawk and Ada to get these fans. And they don't have them yet. And that's the worry. But anyways... We have a lot more to talk about. But yeah, the, the, the issue is, like, T-Hawk and Anta by this point, should, given their pushes and given, you know, where they've been, um, where they've been, like, set up. Like, even as much as people want to talk about BB Hulk, BB Hulk at this stage of his career had, had a way bigger fan base than T-Hawk or Ada has ever had. So that's just a fact. Whether you like BB Hulk or not, he had a fan base from the moment he debuted and he still has, you know, it's it's depleted over the years, honestly, but he still has a fan base. And, you know, there were people who really wanted to see that dance, who really wanted to see B.B. Hulk because of what he looked like and to a lesser extent what he could do as far as like flipping around and, you know, throwing his little kicks and stuff. There's nobody that interested in T-Hawk and Ada, really, mm-hmm. comparatively. So they need to find that, like, what's going to get them that fan base. And the yeah. millennial the millennials fan base existed, but it was never that big. And as far as I can tell, they haven't followed them. Like it's, they... easy. it's easy enough to notice that when you follow like a lot of fan photographers on Twitter, mm. because these are all usually young women who are like 20, 25 years old. And who do they love? They love Mochizuki. They love Susumu. They love Kines. They love Shingo. Guys who are all over 35. Or maybe not Shingo, but... You know, old, older guys. Shingo has his fans too. Whatever you think about him, I I mentioned him. I mentioned yeah, him. I, that's he's what I'm saying. Terrible, I'm... disgusting, and Satan. He has fans. <laughs> he does, yeah. Yeah, he's um so. the youngest. He's gonna be 35. But yeah, it's not the young guys. It's the kind of more rugged gentlemen. Yeah. So well, we'll I mean, and Yamato has a, still has his fans too, obviously. So, but yeah, I mean, they they need to do something to find to find a fan base for these guys. And I think that's why, you know, what, what's going to like put, they're going to hope now to putting them back together as heels is the key. Mm-hmm. But yeah. All right. We got to get going. Next match, open the twin gate, uh, championship match, Shima and dragon kid defeating big Arshimizu and Ben K Shima pinning big Arshimizu in 1730 with a meteora. I don't want to do another rant and rave about this title reign. It's still bad. Uh, I still get why they're doing it. Um, I really wish it would end. It's not going to end anytime soon, apparently. So, I mean, it could. There, there's theories. Like, I, I, I'll give my theory later on where I think they're going and how I think it's going to end. But um, it would be like the Moshima thing of all time if it ends that way. <laughs> yes, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that later. But like, as far as um, Shima, and this, this match goes, I gave it like four stars. I thought it was one of the best matches of this reign. Yeah, uh, considering how bad this reign has been outside of. You know, this is like the third good match, basically, of the reign to me. It's this, the the Kobe World match with Dorian Ashina, which was the best one, and the match where they they originally won the belts from Susumu and Kagatora. But yeah, there's another crappy match otherwise. I mean, not, not another, sorry. Another really good match in a crappy reign. So, um, you know, the match itself was good. I really wish the reign would end, and I think it's going to soon enough, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I was higher, but I think I've generally been a little bit higher on this reign. I went four and a half just because I love how I, I love how Binkei and D, and Dragon Kid already have this chemistry, you know, like and it's pretty notable. Uh, and Big Ben, I think, as I really 
wanted them to win here because I feel like that this would be the right thing for Shimizu and Ben K at this point in their career. Uh, and it's a real... We can't get away from this match without mentioning the final sequence about the fact that Shima had to kick Big Ben low. He had to give him a low blow in order to put put him away finally. Yeah, so that, that could be teasing a heel turn. Yes. Which, you know, that could be... I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk about it when we get to Kurik because yeah. I think it has something to do with the Ada heel turn. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, Milo, do you have any thoughts on this? I didn't watch it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I didn't watch it. I'm done. I'm really, really done. I don't okay. want to give this rain or these people any more of my attention. Okay. Um, and and we should note too, some of the drama we talked about at the start seemed to be folk, like there's a couple people that seem to really hate the fact that we dare to speak our minds on. This title reign that we don't that we don't like, and you know, grow the fuck up. We're allowed to not like something. And you don't have to freak the fuck out about it. I mean, like that. There's one guy on Twitter called the Shimaphobe because he he really likes to fucking you know because we called him out once for his homophobia. And it's like you know, this, these are kind of people that we have to deal with, I guess. I said this on Twitter, and I'll say this once again. The two of you know this. I am probably one of the biggest Shima fans on the internet. I've been working on a Shima retrospective project since before I even started podcasting in 2014. But if you can't, the, if you can't criticize and give analysis on something you love, then you're not giving criticism. That yeah. rings hollow. And I'm sorry. I like this title reign. There were a lot of good jumping off points, and they didn't do it. This reeks of uh, the, this reeks of all the stuff we've been saying for the last six months, really, really nine months. But it was a good match, and. People have to realize that just because people criticize something, that one does not mean that they dislike someone, and two, they're entitled to their right, and three, grow up. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Shima thing, it's, in, in general, people are like, oh, they're so negative. Well, the first half of the year that this year fucking sucked. Yeah. I mean, like, let's be real. The first half of this year was fucking garbage. It just was. Mm-hmm. So, like, when, when it's been good, I mean, we've been... I feel like we've been praising them nonstop for the past few months. Like I've loved the, the I thought the unit disband thing was awesome. The whole series, I thought Kobe War was better than I expected it to be. This was you know, the show of the a, year, and this was the show of the year. So like we're we're not negative. We're just we're you know I've I've been watching this shit for fifteen fucking years. You know I know when it's good. I know when it's bad. And I'm not gonna sit here and you know have people who've been probably watching it for fifteen fucking minutes tell me. <laughs> whether or not it's good, you know, I'm not allowed to think it's bad. So anyway, which is not to do, not to say anything about new fans and uh, new fans are great, but like stay in your lane a little bit. Like, you know, like if I don't, if, if I'm saying, I think something, you know, is, is bad. doesn't mean I'm unfair and I hate dragon gate. If I was unfair and hated dragon gate, I wouldn't be doing a fucking podcast on it, you know, taking hours of my life out of it. So anyway, yeah. Um, triangle over the train gate, triangle gate, three way, um, as we talked about in the preview, this was like the first three-way that Triangle Gate match they did in, you know, over over a year, which is good. Like, they, they, they didn't do any this year, so up until now, which is good because they did way too many of them before that. Um, I thought this was awesome. Like, this was Shingo, Yoshida, Linda Mann of Berserk, uh, Yamato, Hulk, and KZ of Tribe Vanguard, and Doi, Yoshino, and Katoka of Maximum. Uh, the first elimination was Hulk pinning Katoka, fifteen fifty seven with the first flash. And then Yamato pinned Shingo with the Frankenstein of the Almighty in 2408. 
Uh, I went four and a quarter on this, I believe. Let me double check. Oh, no, four stars. I went four flat on it. Um, I, you know, I thought early on it was a little bit like whatever, just kind of crowd brawling and didn't do a lot for me early and, you know, berserk interference stuff. But once you got past that, I thought like the the last stretch run especially was really, really good. And even before that, like up to the, the maximum elimination, I thought was good. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see Tribe Vanguard get the belts. I feel like we've we've crossed over now with them. We're like they they almost get too much shit now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're that like they, they their theme song still sucks. Um, no, shut up. Yeah, the theme song still sucks. I'm sorry. I'm my not a believer. <laughs> but like the unit itself, there's really nothing wrong with them at this point. Like, I feel like people got so down on them from the early months where they just jobbed out constantly. I mean, Yamato, Hulk, and KZ, they, they work perfectly fine together. They're all from the same generation. It, it, it makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's, I, I like it, and, I, you know, I'm totally fine with, uh, with the, with the unit getting a belt, getting some belts here. I know that, I remember the flagship disagreed on this, and they thought that, that uh, they really don't seem to like this unit. I know Joe especially really hates them, but um, Joe wants know, to old I, yeller them. Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with them. They're not my favorite unit. They're not going to win unit of the year for me, but like they're a solid like number three or something as far as my unit rankings. I don't dislike them at all. So they, I'm glad to see them get some belts here. Finally, I would have liked to see, you know, Doyo Shino Katoka get them. Like that was still my first preference because they're such an like there is a unit I'm going to vote for unit of the year right there, right there. I mean that's an awesome unit. But, you know, I'm not going to complain too much about Tribe getting them either. I don't get why they're so hesitant to give um, maximum titles. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe it's like they have to they have to earn it or something. Well, didn't they have the didn't they have the Triangle Gate to start? I think. Yeah. They, did, didn't they have them like when before they were officially a unit or something? Yeah, I mean, they lost them pretty quick, but they had they had them when they formed. I remember that. So. I don't know. It's weird. They're they're without a doubt the most popular and most functional unit right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, Milo, which one of the match? Uh, you know what? It's getting so hard for me to watch. I mean, it's been hard for a year, but it's getting like just really boring for me to watch reserve matches. Mm. Um. So I really love the interactions between Tribe and and Maxima, especially the interactions between Katoda and Yamato. Um, both his faces was really funny. Um, yeah, Katoka, was, Katoka doing his pose that was awesome. Yeah, but there was this um, there was this moment where they were kind of trying to trying to like work together, and I, I can't remember who was in the ring with them. I think it was Linda Man. Um, where they were kind of trying to work together, but it was very obvious that they just couldn't do it. Um, so that was funny. I think it really goes to, sh- like, this is what I'm really starting to see and understand what you guys have been saying about how Yamato feels like a totally different wrestler now that he doesn't have the dream date. Yeah. Where he's, like, he's fun again. He's yeah, he seems like he... He's have he's not like crushed under the weight of this pressure of being the fucking unstoppable ace for over a year and a half or whatever. Like he feels he just feels like he's actually getting to do what he wants again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I going on the, the Lindemann thing. I love the fact that everyone kind of treats Lindemann like he's a dipshit. Yeah, it's, he it's, is a dipshit. I mean, it's they great. treat Lindemann like he's a he's basically a comedy figure at this point. But yeah, you I would know, like I was, to see them. Mm-mm. Well, he is um. It kind of saddens me that he's a comedy figure in a way because I, 
I would really love to see what he can do as a serious heel. Yeah. But, but I mean, I don't think I don't know if he can ever do that as long as Berserk are basically a parody of themselves. Mm. I'm not as down on current Berserk as you are. I don't I don't mind the, the unit right now. I feel like I, they're going to end soon anyway, but I don't really mind yeah. them. I kind of feel like I mean this is a this is a um, a kind of a long shot because one one example is a lot more blatant than the other. But follow me here. I kind of feel like Berserk in a more subtle way is a little bit like the Bullet Club. Let me explain. Let me explain. You're saying they suck. <laughs> what, I mean, what? yes, but also um, I kind of feel like this is a unit because early Bullet Club was pretty cool and menacing. I'm talking yeah. like Prince Devon Bullet Club. Yeah, I guess. Um, and no, then I, 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 I hated them at the time. I really fucking hated them. Oh, but... I love Devitt. Oh god, all that fucking interference! Like that was it. and that was like when New Japan did not have a lot of that. So to have all that, to have that nonstop at the start of Bullet Club, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty... But that, yeah, that, but that's a that's a constant in the Bullet Club. It's probably the only constant that they've had actually. Yeah, oh, they've actually they they paired way back on the interference in New Japan. Like in the past, in the past like year and a half, I feel they they really don't do that much interference anymore. Well, that's cool. Uh, Milo, um, you are getting the most constant thing in Bullet Club, which is appropriating other companies' things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Berserk obviously don't really do that or need to do that. But no, what I was getting at is that startup is like a really threatening unit, and then go through a lot of line, lineup changes, and as the lineup kind of changes, they become less menacing and more just annoying. Mm, that's a good, it's a good comparison. I, see, I can see it. Like, obviously, it's a lot more um, aggravating with the Bullet Club because they have because they don't know what the word subtlety means. Um, none of them. Like, none of them do. But I think Berserk is a little bit like that because early Berserk was a, a fucking, like, weapon of mass destruction. Yes. Well, I mean, and you're, you're sure, talking, you know, you're talking about had, a unit. Yeah, you're talking about a unit that had Shingo, Yamato, and Doi in it, which sounds fucking insane now, even to even to talk about it. And, like, yes, they had interference. They, they had, you know, the heel antics that have been going on in Dragon Gate since the fucking dawn of time. But they were menacing. They were threatening. Now they almost feel like a comedy heel unit. Mm. Like, with punch and with Lindemann and his weird face pan, face paint with Shingo almost acting like the overly comical rival sports team coach from a 90s movie and like and, and uh and what's and, and fucking uh you know Con, well Con is not really that serious either and you know when you have a guy like uh you know, you got a guy like Yoshida in there making his fucking funny faces all the time. I mean, that probably doesn't really help either. I, I, I see it. I know what you're talking See, to me, I like them. That makes me like them more because, like, my favorite hero unit of all time, other than Blood Warriors, is probably Muscle Outlaws. And they were also very much in the in the realm of wacky, almost comedic heels. So I'm totally cool with that. But, like, yeah. I, I get why if you don't like that, then you're not. Then it's not your, you know, that's <laughs> yes. not your thing. For me, I feel like it takes away a lot of the drama that could be happening. Mm. Like, at this point, it almost feels like you have two face units and some Looney Tunes. 
I hear you. Lindemann looks straight up out of Looney Tunes. I hear you. I hear you. It's, yeah. And then you have T-Hawk, I, who's a stoned high school senior. Yeah, T-Hawk's like, the, T-Hawk is so out of place in this fucking unit. Right. Like, I wonder, I, it makes you wonder what, like, Ada's going to be like in it, because T-Hawk is like the one guy taking this completely seriously, while, like, everybody else is, like, you know, making jokes and fucking doing all this crazy shit like Shingo like Shingo as, as the as the high school evil high school coach he he would would not look out of place in like D2 the Mighty Ducks coaching Iceland whatever, <laughs> that, whatever that country was like yes it's like he's just twirl he might as well twirl a mustache he gets so over the top with it but I, I mean I love it personally but like that's that's my again that's my taste in mm-hmm. Dragon Gate Heels I I I really love the Muscle Outlaws and in a lot of ways, they remind me of Muscle Outlaws now, but but T Hawk is way out of place in that group because T Hawk is the one guy taking it like completely seriously. So I'll be interested to see if Ata, because I could see Ata going either way. Honestly, I could see easily see Ata doing it in a wacky way, but we'll see. I guess. I I, uh, I, hope, I think we know what Ata is given the promo he cut at Corkin. Yeah, I mean he was that was a very vicious promo. I will say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but we'll get to that. The trial game match itself, really good match. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. And the, fit, the finish with Yamato just shrugging off the box attack and mm-hmm. pinning Takagi with the Frankenstein of the Almighty, that was awesome. That and was then, awesome. That and was then awesome. Jay just posted his explanation on Twitter when it's like, Yamato shrugged it off because it was punch. It's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> a great explanation. He just completely no-sold it because it's punch Tomonaga, and who the fuck cares, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to state that I was the only person who believed in in Tri Vanguard. Okay. I was the only one who said Tri Vanguard was going to win this match. I just wanted to go scoreboard there, but yeah, I loved it. Uh, I wanted to look back at a tweet I said just just to dunk on Verzerk a little bit more. How to describe Verzerk to a friend? A bunch of dipshits and a charmingly weird husky dude with great looking merch. That's Verzerk, <laughs> but yeah. Which are you talking about? Oh, uh, the merch. Oh, I, I I've always loved Verzerk's like aesthetic. Yeah, I, like that's the one constant thing they've had is I dig the black and red and yellow with yeah. the wolf. I I agree, but what the fuck is up with that hashtag T-shirt though? Over Zark team. Mm. Yeah, that like that is just so wildly out of place. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm I mean I'm glad that KZ has a title. Yeah, like I feel like he gets so much shit, and he's still getting like. Even as one-third of the Trinor Gate champions, he's still getting pinned left and right, which makes no sense, but in Dragon Gate, so why would it? But um, I'm glad that he has that. And you can see how emotional he was about it. Like, during the post-match, you can see how how much it means to him. And especially with, with Hulk, considering, like, how long they've been friends and teaming together. Yeah. Like, it was awesome. I loved it. Anyway, so the main event, everybody. Are we ready to get into this? Oh, yeah. The Open yeah. the Dreamgate Championship match. Masaki Mochizuki defeating Susumu Yokosuka in 23-40 with a low kick to the face. Um, this match was fucking awesome. Uh, I went four and three quarters. Uh, my, my Dragon Gate match of the year. The I, I, I'm not even close, actually, because I think the only other match... I might have put something at four and a quarter. I may be at four and a half. I don't even remember. But yeah, this this is gonna blow everything out. You know, it's number four in my overall top ten for like every company, and easily my Dragon Gate match of the year. Easily, easily, easily. Um, 
you know, I can get into why, but like, let's, let's talk like general, um, general thoughts on the match. I mean, just seeing these two wrestle again after all these years, I, I went into it for the, for the written preview, the, how they, you know, the rivalry they've had over the years, but like just seeing them in the ring again with each other was really, really cool. Never mind main eventing a major pay-per-view for the dream gate. And then they went out there and had a match that just delivered on all of that. So two awesome wrestlers, 47 year old Motozuki, I, you know, just out there with his rival and just having another amazing match. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys think? Um, for me, I really liked the match. I thought it was a masterful display of professional wrestling. And it's, it's funny because people always talk about the Dragon Gate style, right? And they always mean usually fast paced, high flying, uh, what we see in the um, in the three or four way matches, um, the you know, the, the, what do they call it? The four way six man, whatever. Um, that's usually what people mean when they talk about Dragon Gates, about the, like the Dragon Gate style, right? Mm. Like it's not a, it's it's not meant to be like uh, oh people are idiots for saying that because that's what's most well known about Dragon Gate. But I always love when they choose to put matches on top that are so wildly different from that. And, you know, it reminds me, of course, of, you know, Shingo versus Mochizuki from that same show two years ago. Oh, absolutely. Which, which, which was, I think, as a match, as wildly different from the quote-unquote Dragon Gate style as you could possibly get at that time. Yeah, and I think that we really should consider the fact that Masaki Mochizuki might be the greatest worker, not necessarily full package, but match wrestler at age 45 plus of all time. Like, I know that's a heavy shot, but he had... No, I don't, I don't think it's a, extra, I, don't, I don't think it's an extrapolation. I think it's pretty... It, it, he understands the little things so much. And just like the fact that like the, they go in the match... And they immediately go, okay, Susumu's like, I'm going after your leg. And Mochizuki's like, okay, I'm going after your arm. And they work the entire match around that. And you just have, like, little moments, like, like Mochizuki dusting off his shoulder. Like, things like that, that he could tell a match. And as much as Akira Tozawa is my favorite Dragon Gate wrestler, uh, Dragon System wrestler of all time, Mochizuki, if you give me a singles match with Misaki Mochizuki in it, I will probably be in my apartment doing the standing and pacing and yelling because that's what I was doing at like 7 a.m. during this match. It was yeah, I mean, it's just so good because you have, like you said, you have the, the first half of that match just being limb work. It makes perfect sense why why each guy wants to go after, you know, that body part. And then the second half of that match, just the two of them throwing bombs, mm-hmm. just bomb after bomb after bomb. Like I was watching with a friend who, you know, I – I call him over casual Dragon Gate fan. And he was like, this reminds me of like a 90s All Japan match. Mm-hmm. You know, these two just like destroying each other with these lyrics and these kicks. And, you know, I, I really thought, I, I, you know, I think it was a really, um, it really hit like a peak for me that, you know, some of Dragon Gate, Dream Gate matches never really hit. And like an emotional peak. So, you know, I'm really, I was really happy to see it get there. Falls just short of five stars for me, but very close. Yeah. So, I thought it was a, a really, really outstanding match. 
Um, you know, the, the, the whole sequence towards it where they just, where, where Susumu gets the Jemo no Kachi Gatame, like, I actually thought for a second that could be a finish. Mm-hmm. So they got me on that one, kind of. And, like, earlier than that one, they, when Mochi, or Susumu hits the Sankakagari and Mochi hits a, hits the, hits the Jemo no Kachi, that was the awesome little finisher trading spot, too. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just outstanding match. Can't, I don't know, not enough good things to say about it. If you, if you yeah, watch also, one match for the show, make sure it's this one. And I, I also appreciate them. I mean, I know that a lot of people went into this match saying that they didn't care um, who won. I mean, from, that's the impression that I got from my, my timeline, at least. Um, and I, honestly, I would have to agree because I feel like this is a match where... Even even though I'm like someone who loves when matches tell a story, and this was inscribed in their own personal story, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the current goings on of Dragon Gates. Mm-hmm. And so I always appreciate when you can kind of remove yourself from the context and appreciate a match for what it is. Mm. You know, regardless of different from you know Shingo going through the veterans and Mochiz and Mochizuki falling at at 2015 uh, show. This was just two guys who have wrestled alongside each other and against each other for many, many years, getting this this spot and just doing their best. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, we, we hate each other. It wasn't like another... It, it wasn't like um, Susumu trying to get the rights to his name back or anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just... Um, yeah, I don't... I, I, even though I always love matches that tell a good story, I, I always appreciate when you can also separate a match from, from it, from kind of context and just appreciate a beautiful display of professional wrestling. Yeah. And it's like, the context helps, but I think you could drop anybody in and just be like, yeah, he, he does lariats, he does kicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they could get it. <laughs> they could get it on some level, I think. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the match, Mike? I think Milo put it better than I ever really could. Uh, it's my, like John, it's my Drangate match of the year. I ha- I don't have a complete top 10 list yet. I kind of operate differently than John in that regard. That, like, I usually just have, like, a big bunch of matches and then I start cutting them. But it's the only Drangate match I have in that bunch of matches so far. So... Mm. I, I, yeah, well, it wasn't that good a year for like high end Dragon Gate matches because the Yamato reign was kind of a bust, uh, and the Shima, the Shima Dragon Kid reign, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think what it, was. It, it was it was what it was. It wasn't that great either. So like that's usually where most of Dragon Gate's high end matches of the year are going to come is from a t- Dream Gate or a Twin Gate, and then you know the the only you just fan matches could be another source of it. I think I gave it like four and a half, but I don't, it wasn't quite at that level of match of the year to me. So, but this was, or maybe I gave it four and a quarter. I don't know. It was it was at the level of some of the other unit spam matches. Yeah, but this match was that match though for this year. Yeah, this match was that. Um, I mean, no one else agrees with me anyway. My Dragon Gate match of the year last year, where I thought the the Tazawa <laughs> Farewell Six Man was my Dragon Gate match of the year, but I can't um, remember what mine was. Yeah. So the. Moving on, then overall, as you said at the top, awesome show. I mean, can't say enough about a show that has pretty much 
outstanding matches in every major match, basically all top four matches. I thought were really good. Mm-hmm. So I, I think pretty, I think it's going to win show of the year pretty easily, but I guess we'll have to say. Yep. Uh, moving on to Corican, November 8th, gate of revolution, 2017. Um, it opened with the dark match punch Tomonaga and Kaito Ishida punch pinning Ishida with the 450 of the PT kick. Punch Tomonaga fucking sucks, everybody, for the 10,000th time. And, like, this was as bad a a dark match as I remember, like, watching. Like, usually these are, like, inoffensive and, you know, just there. But this really sucked, I thought. Like, really, really sucked. Yeah, it was, I think it was the worst Dragon Gate match of the year. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. I didn't, I didn't watch it. Yeah, you're smarter than us. It- <laughs> I, I was uh, I was running on limited time uh, after finishing my day yesterday. So, it, well, like the only thing that I can even pull out of this match is I wonder what's going to happen for Ishida post Overgeneration because I think we're going to get to the fact that Overgeneration might not be around at the start of 2018, and I don't know where you put him. Yeah, I'll have to say. Yeah. Um, the opener, opener proper, was Don Fuji, Mondai Ryu, and Mysterioso defeating Katoka, UT, and Shun Skywalker. Fuji pinning Shun Skywalker with the Nodawa off the top rope in 739. Um, oh, by the way, Ben K was pulled off this show due to an illness. What was he supposed to be in? Do you remember, Mike? Was he supposed to be in the opener in the place of Shun Skywalker, maybe? I think. That would make sense. I think Katoka it was Ben K. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be Ben K, Ben K, Katoken, Ute. but I could be wrong on that. Maybe, maybe it's supposed to be Big R's partner. Actually, I don't, I don't know. I think I was always in the singles match. Oh, okay. So they completely redid the car then. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking up it right now, but yeah, it's. I just like I thought it was a pretty okay match. Like this is really where Mysterioso stuck out for me. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, but, it was fine, I guess. Yeah, yeah, UT was great in it though. Like this is UT's really turned it on. So. Yeah, UT UT is the high. But like I said, this is this is where he stood out again here and in Kobe. And you know he had a he had a great run. And I'm interested to see where he ends up. Maximum or Tribe Vanguard? Mm. I know. I, I I hope Maximum, but I I suspect Tribe Vanguard. Yeah, Tribe. I think Tribe as well. But the, no, the thing with UT is that. He's a really good little luchador. The problem is that he's injured so often that he never gets to show it. Yeah, exactly. Basically, I mean, that's basically the story of his life. They're, they're giving him a chance to show it right now too, with where he's not getting just destroyed on every show. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's I think he's making progress here. Yeah, Ben K was in this match originally. Okay, so I was right. So Ben K, it was Ben K Katoka and UT, right? That was originally. originally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I thought I thought I remember seeing that. But yeah, so that was a pretty good opener. Not a lot to say about it. Um, match two, Kness and Gamma defeating Kagatora and Big R Shimizu. 8.32, Kness gets his second straight pin with the Hikari Noa, this time pinning Kagatora. And that was the setup for, as we talked about earlier, the Brave Gate title match in on November 19th in Nobeoka. No so um i don't i really he's not gonna win obviously but it's cool to see him just getting some pins and getting back in the thing in the thick of things here what'd you guys think yeah it was a fun match you know there was a lot of kind of cool uh uh like interactions in there and i was openly calling for kness versus kakatora in my notes before it got announced so 
I like to think as the Dragon System thought leader that I was right. <laughs> Dragon System thought leader. Yeah. No, it makes us sound like a cult. Uh, you, you, you can take it as you will. Uh, I, I, I really have fun with the fact that we get to have long Twitter tag time not, or names <laughs> now. Right now, I'm Bo- Bojangle, Bojangles presents Iron Mike Spears. Yeah, I don't. I, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with that. I could put more Japanese in my name, I guess. <laughs> um, match three: Ryo Saito defeating Ishiji Kanda in five fifty four by disqualification. This was actually pretty fun until all the running started. Like I was like, "God damn, Berserk!" I was enjoying this like ex Jimmy's battle, and then they all fucking had to start running in. But I mean, I, I you know, I like I like Saito and I like Kanda, so Kanda, so I'm not really. Surprised I was enjoying this, but like, yeah, it was, it was a, a match quickly ruined by Berserk, sadly. Yeah, as always. <laughs> um, no, but I, it was funny because I was watching this match. I was watching this show streaming it with a friend who is very unfamiliar with wrestling. She doesn't really know much. She she knows like, she knows Quiet Storm, and that's about it. <laughs> that's a crazy person to know. Yeah. Just uh, she's a big Quiet Storm fan because he does a lot of variety shows apparently here. Oh, does he really? That's amazing. Yeah, apparently he got, he does like a show where he he goes to bars, like he tests bars or something. You know what? I'm that it's probably because he he speaks like such good Japanese, I guess. Yeah, he's, I think he's married. Like he's been here for a really long time, and he's married to a Japanese woman. I think. Ah, oh, that explains a lot too. Because that, that's why he can just stay there forever, basically. Because people don't know Japanese visas. If you marry a Japanese uh, woman or the vice versa, you know, like, that's pretty much a permanent stay visa for as long as, uh, for as, long as you're married. Yeah. So, like, that's, you can go, you, you'd be able to go and come and go as you please, basically. Yeah. So that does explain a lot, too. Wow. And anyway. So, so I was watching this with, with this friend who doesn't know Dragon Gate at all. And, um... When Saito went for the cycling Yahoo, she was so confused. <laughs> and that's kind of when you start, because this is a spot that we've seen dozens and dozens of times, and it barely phases us anymore. But that's kind of when you realize how freaking weird wrestling is to people who don't watch it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I could, I, it's very weird. I guess it's a weird fucking sport. It's, what's the weird fucking thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Um, but the match itself kind of just set up for the post-match, you know, for Jorke Ramwild and Saito, all the guys on the babyface team in the main event, Mochizuki, Tsumu, Dragon Kid, and Eita came out and saved him. You know, they, they kind of exchanged words and they were like, why the fuck is Inconda in the main event if his betrayal of the Jimmies is what led to the match he made in the first place? Shingo was like, sure, we'll make a five on four. <laughs> Mochizuki's like, I never say anything about five on four. And he wants Saito to join. Shingo was the guy who originally blocked it. And he was like, look, Saito's just a comedy wrestler with no friends now. The likes <laughs> of Saito no longer belong to the main events. Yeah. Saito smashed him over there with a box. And then he says, someone with a haircut like Shingo has no right to call anyone else a laughing stock. Yes! And then, and then uh, Shingo was so mad about the sneak attack that he, he said, even though he vetoed the Saito and Jusume routine last month, he'd allow it this time just to pay him back. Uh, credit to Jay, of course, for the translations but yeah so that set up the main event becoming five on five i just love that line that saito's like who are you calling a comedy wrestler look at your hair <laughs> it's <laughs> what i've been saying 
<laughs> Glad to know Saito is on my side. I knew I could trust him. So that match four, Dora Yoshino and Genki defeated BB Hulk, Yosuke Santa Maria, and Jason Lee at 11:59. Um, Doi pinned Maria with the the Bakatari sliding kick. I believe he did this by like basically no selling one of her kisses and then just immediately hitting her at the Bakatari. Now, if if her kiss did not disable him, does that mean he liked it or he didn't like it? Well, John, he's <laughs> happily married, so. <laughs> He, he can't be tempted. He can't be tempted. Uh, did, y- <laughs> did y'all notice how late, like, like Jason Lee brought everyone out out nunchucks and yes, that was and, so cute. And, and Hulk had like lame dad nunchuck skills. Like he was like like Maria got into it and she was pretty good at it. Lee of course is great at it. And Hulk was like, "Look at me, I have a nunchuck. I'm a lame dad." <laughs> I like um, it. It's cute. But yeah, so the match itself was fine. Uh, good little match. Nothing to complain about, I guess. Doi Yoshi were trying to pop each other during that match. Did y'all notice that? Yeah, there was a lot of comedy early on about not wanting to get in the ring with Maria. And that was like, so the early part of the match was a lot of comedy with everybody tagging out and immediately like, Doi and Yoshino were were having a good time with each other uh, as they they always do. As they often do. Yeah, so they, they were having a really good time. They were like making each other crack up. It was pretty funny. I really, I just, I, I, we, everybody and their mother has said this. I cannot, like say enough how much I love the chemistry between Jason Lee and Doyoshi. Yeah. Like whether they're partners or opponents, they were so well together. And then after the match, of course, um, yes. the big news was Doyoshi. They invited Jason Lee to join Maximum in English too. Like, you know, yes, in English was, was, in English, was like, we think you have great future. We want you to join Maximum. And Jason Lee was like, okay. Like it wasn't even like, he didn't have to think about it. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll join. But also, I'm not sure why he would say that in English, because Jason Lee's worked in Japan for for a while now. Wouldn't he speak Japanese? He doesn't speak Japanese. No, he doesn't. I mean, no, because I've seen him cut. If you see him cut a, he cut a promo after. I don't know if it was during intermission after the show, but he cut it in English. So okay. I don't, so I don't think. I, I, I thought because he he worked in Japan before. Yeah, but that there's a lot of other. There's a lot of guys that work in Japan and don't pick up that much Japanese. It's not that different. Okay. I, I just mean, figured I think, it was like zero one for a while. Yeah, know. he speaks English and Chinese, as far as I know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, from, you know, he's from Hong Kong. A lot of people in Hong Kong speak English. So, um, but yeah, so Jason Lee has now joined Maximum, and which is cool. Which is cool. Yep, I'm I'm very much down with that idea. I mean, at the very least, um, it'll give Maximum another guy to use as a pin eater other than Katoka. So that's it's cool. It's not happening because Jason Lee pinned KZ. Oh, he pinned KZ? Yeah, because he's more high-ranked than the fucking Triangle Gate champion because KZ can't get anything nice in his life ever. <laughs> All right, well, Milo. Milo needs to calm down. But... No, I can't calm down! <laughs> when, is, when is there going to be justice for KZ? Um, he can't even be the fucking third of the Triangle Gate champions without getting pinned by Jason fucking Lee. Okay, Al Lindemann was a third of the tag champion, the Triangle champions. And he got pinned all the fucking time too. But, who cares about Al Lindemann? We're like El Pendejo. This, this podcast for a long time. <laughs> who cares about <laughs> Anyway, justice for dipshit now. Yeah, yes. he is just a dipshit now. Um. So, anyway, moving on to match five, the special tag team match, Shima and Ricochet defeating Yamato and KZ in 1759, Ricochet pitting KZ with the shooting star press. Now, I have a couple of complaints here. Both have to do with the match itself. You know, I, 
anyone who knows you will know I'm a huge Blood Warriors mark. Probably my all-time favorite unit. And, you know, um, Shima and Ricochet, that their team was a huge part of Blood Warriors. Thus, it was cool they came out with the with, with Blood Warriors. Shima came out in his old Blood Warriors gear. Ricochet came out in a Blood Warriors jacket. I guess he didn't have his Blood Warriors gear with him, understandably. I don't think he can uh, fit in it anymore. He's so jacked. <laughs> yeah, that's very possible. But he did come out in a Blood Warriors jacket. That was really cool. But, like, first of all, first of all, why didn't they come out to the Blood Warriors theme song? Oh. Why they why they come out to the Ricochet theme instead of the Blood Warriors theme song? Like, why not go all the way with it and, do, and just play the Blood Warriors theme song? It's the best theme song in Dragon Gate history. That's my first complaint. And my second complaint is you have Shima, Ricochet, and KZ in this match. Why not swap Yamato and Hulk? Have Hulk or Yamato team with Maria and Jason Lee and have Hulk in this match. And then you can have four guys from Blood Warriors all in this match. You could have yeah, Hulk and... You got a Hulk in his in his uh, Blood Warriors gear and KZ in his Blood Warriors gear. That would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. But, but KZ, yeah, does, so KZ doesn't want to hide his awesome abs anymore. I but it's a one match thing. He could have done it. Anyway, I I, I would have liked to see that. That's my two complaints. But even with that said, this match was awesome. I thought um, Ricochet pinned KZ in seventeen fifty nine at the Shooting Star Press. I thought that's a really cool little spot fest. I think I went like I thought, three. Yeah, they, their their exchanges towards the end of this match were so fucking good. Yeah, I think I went like three. Three and three quarters on, I thought was really good. So, match of the night, in my opinion. Uh, absolutely, agree. No, yeah, yeah. yeah just uh, it's always fun to see KZ in the situations because we know how well he works in this sort of fast-paced exchanges, and who better to put him in there with than Ricochet for this kind of thing? Absolutely. And did you all notice how far Ricochet flew with that over-the-turnbuckle uh, tope he hit? Yes! Oh my god! He he went nearly 20 feet. Like, no exaggeration. It was... He, he went that far and landed on his feet. That person is not human. <laughs> but yeah, I... I he has, like, springs in his legs or something. Yeah. But yeah, I love this. I was a little higher. I went four and a quarter. Uh, KZ, this... Like, I, I'm with y'all. I would love this to be a Blood Warriors contra Blood Warriors match. But, uh... If KZ is going to be, like, the one person in there to, like, eat to like eat pens and to do this, I'm okay with it because he is such a great sprint wrestler. Well, he wouldn't have been the one replaced anyway, Mike. KZ, is K- KZ was in Blood Warriors. You're right, you're right. It would have been Yamato. Yeah. Yamato was part of those, those scumbags Junction 3. Oh, come the, on. The real heels at the time, Junction 3. I, I, I hate Junction 3. Junction, great, uh, oh. great theme, great theme. Junction. I don't like. I don't like the theme song that much. Great and that theme, fucking great aesthetic, great lineup. That, that green, that fucking green color is like ugh. You yeah. shut your whole mouth. Ugh. The, ugh. The green. Color green is, is the that. best color. I will not hear any green slander on this podcast. Blood Warriors for life, everybody. I, I mean, I'm the same way, John. But the thing about the green was it was green on everyone except for the fact that that dipshit Shingo was <laughs> green. And that was awesome. He just wore like the same fucking outfit he always wore, except I think he wore like a green armband. Yeah. And eventually yeah. he put like the words on it in green. It's like, wow, he's really. Uh... And that's why when, when Mochizuki, after the unit broke up, Mochizuki was like, you know, one of the big reasons it broke up was because uh, Shingo and Yamato were so shellfish. I was like, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't even wear the fucking colors. <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyway. Back to this show, though. The main event, Shingo Takagi, Takashi Yoshida, T-Hawk, L. Lindemann, and Yasushi Kanda 
defeating Mochizuki, Susumu, Dragon Kid, Eita, and Ryu Saito. 1651, the night ride. We'll get to the face in a second because the finish obviously has to do with the big news of the match. But the match itself, I thought it was pretty good. Um, typical 10-man stuff here. Very brawl-heavy. Um, not nothing. I think you need to go crazy to go out of your way to see. Like, I definitely think you should watch that tag match if you're going to watch anything from the show. But still, a good enough main event. Agree? Disagree? Yeah. I, I, it, uh, it, yeah. Go ahead, Milo. It was a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it wasn't. Um, you know, like many of these, like. This is the, the, the formula where these Kodakuan these main events, a lot of the time they're great matches, but they'll always be more vehicles for the story than great... It's kind of like the reverse of that Susumu versus Mochizuki match. Totally. Where it's like, sure, they'll go out and have a great match, but in the end, it's always more about what happens next. It's the setup. So no, I, I thought the match was perfectly fine. I thought the finish was the finish was um, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. This also continued the trend of uh, Lindemann talking shit and getting hit, which <laughs> which I did like this. Uh, I I thought Saito was even though he was like late at it. I think I love it when Saito is playing like the Ricky Morton baby face, like the beatdown because. There's very few people. The Ricky Morton baby face. Yeah, that's a, a Rock and Roll Express reference. Oh, I thought. Oh my god, I'm so dumb. I thought you meant like a like a literal baby. I'm sorry. Oh no. Uh, I was like, I didn't make the connection for a while. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Mm-hmm. It's uh. Yeah. So sorry. But like, he is so good at getting beat down and drawing sympathy. Like, I think he might be the most sympathetic person in the company, like, in the in that kind of uh, setting. I, I think he... I really enjoyed that. T-Hawk hit, like, one of the most brutal knee lifts I've ever seen on DK. His Agula they hit there was brutal. But, yeah. Mm. But let's, yeah. Talk to fi- let's talk to finish, because I really love this. All right, so let's go, go in it real quick. So... So basically, you have Dragon Kid in the ring with T Hawk. Um, Dragon Kid hits the Dragon Rana. Ata acts like he's coming in, coming in to uh, you know assist to make sure no one's in there to break it up, which is great. And then he just casually like strolls over and knees Dragon Kid right in the fucking head. And then before Dragon Kid has any chance to react, uh, he he super kicks Dragon Kid, leaves him wide open for T Hawk to come in. And hit the night ride while Ata just kind of like walks around in a circle <laughs> with the biggest shit eating grin on his face, yes. raises his arms in the air like, "Look at what I'm doing, motherfuckers!" And T Hawk <laughs> gets, gets the pin. Great turn, great, great turn. Then after the match is over, he rips Dragon Kid's mask right off, which is great because we almost never see that, you know, in Dragon Gate. And you have, you have to cover it with a towel. You can you can kind of see his face for like half a second. He, he still looks I mean, like a child. See his face. Yeah, he, he still looks like a little kid, unfortunately. But but like he oh like when he holds the mask up with like his mouth open like ah <laughs> like he was so, so proud of himself. He was so proud of himself, and then he does like a big like celebration with all the Berserk members. And it's like a little, we have like a little uh, millennials reunion with him and with him, T Hawk and Linda Man, which you know some people will be very excited by, um, Milo for for instance. But I was, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. it's um, no, it's funny because it's a cycle, you know. In Dragon Gate, people are always kind of bound to meet each other again. Yeah, very true. Um, 
And it's always funny that Matt Blanky back then ended the Millennials and t- basically turned into Berserk. And now Berserk is like 50% Millennials again. <laughs> and Ata and Ata was in Berserk for one night. Which people forget, like, again. yeah, like he he still has those pants apparently, right? This week, so. Well, he finally gets. To, they're like the best pair of gear he's ever owned. Yeah, yeah. So he's just gonna use them again, right? He has hmm. to. Yeah, yeah, I think he's already doing it. Yeah. But yeah, so he had these pants made. He was a berserk man for one night because remember he after Millennials ended, he and Katoka were being all heelish. They turned on T Hawk, and they were just being kind of heels by themselves. And then they went to join up with the new heel unit. You know, the X Mad Blanky and Shingo, and then Katoka immediately turned on Ada on the first night, and mm-hmm. Berserk all kicked him out. So Ada was a Berserk member for exactly one night, but now he returns to the unit, you know, almost two years, no, more than two years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over two over two years later. So that's crazy. But, but yeah, so let's talk about the post match promo here. He's like, you know, he, he's. He's like, Ata is like, he's sick and tired of being nice and well behaved. He said, over generations, nothing but old timers and cripples, which, you know, true, basically. Uh, Ata mocks Shima. He, he said, you know, Shima's old and fat. Gamma's old and fat. Ashida and Mondari will never be the same after the neck injuries. Uh, what about Yamamura? The truth is, he is never coming back. The neck, his neck is beyond repair and he'll never be back. Shima was like visibly shaken by this. Um, and he basically was like, Ada, you're welcome to say whatever you want about me, but don't speak publicly about Yamura, you promised. And Ada was like, I don't care about any of that anymore. And he said he was done with this team of old men, midgets, I guess that's Dragon Kid, and cripples. How can Ada draw anyone a midget? Well, I guess he can for Dragon Kid. <laughs> and then he's like, he never thought, this is the great best line of the whole thing. He never thought of Dragon Kid as a teacher, and he expects him to put some respect on his name the next time he addresses him, he want he basically was like, "You better call me Ada San, Ada San from now on." You know, it's not just Ada anymore, Ada San. So that's that's awesome. And then Shima and Dragon King kind of struggled to recover from the betrayal, but Mochizuki kind of interjected. He's like, he doesn't know anything about the inner workings of over generation, but he does have an idea of how to put punks like Ada in their place. And like, he has a friend that's even better at it than him. So he called out Don Fuji. So he said, "This is a job for Mochi Fuji." Dragon Kid told Ada um, he could do whatever he wanted, but by taking his mask, he made a huge mistake. So Kid asked to be a part of it. So um, Ada's like, I had the perfect opponents for you, these 40-year-old bastards. Young Berserk, himself, T-Hawk, and Linda Man. Basically the millennials. Mm-hmm. I would I would pop so hard if they came out next month to Millennials. I know they won't. I know oh. they won't. I would pop so hard. It was like Millennials, and then the Berserk theme. Or something like I would, I would pop so hard for that. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be the three of them against Mochizuki, Fuji, and Dragon Kid next month in Kurikin. So there you go. That should be a good match. Um, I I love no chill Ada. Yeah, I just like I'm fucking sick of this shit. Which I you know his, again the heel turn makes perfect sense because. They spent all these months with Shima telling him how much of an idiot he is and how he can't cut a promo and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's he, he just got sick of it. He turned. And, so he, cut, it made, it made, and he cut probably the best promo of his of his career. Yeah, I think so, too. It's hard to tell when you're not Japanese speaker, but he seemed like he was really into it. And it seemed like the crowd was reacting. So I don't see why it would, would have been a bad promo. But the, the one thing I was kind of surprised about, and this kind of goes back to gate of destiny is that it would make total sense why why now suddenly shima is like 
favorite son, Ricochet, comes back. He's like, oh, I'm going to put my favorite son against a match against my delinquent one. And he beats him up. And then he's just he sees him teaming up him again, and he just loses it. Like, it makes yeah. total sense. Like, Ada's justification for all this is great. I think this probably also signals that tr- that overgeneration's not going to be too long for this world, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm here's the, here's the question, okay? Now, coming out of this, mm. a great turn, I think we all agree. Is Shima really mad at Ata, or is this a ploy? Because Shima used those low blows in that match against Big, against Big Ben, and he might be frustrated himself to some degree with the state of overgeneration. So it might not try, might be trying not to let it on. So, you know, when Shima gets frustrated, Shima tends to turn heel and we haven't seen a real heel run from him in almost six, in over six years, almost six years, I should say. Mm-hmm. since the end of the end of uh, blood warriors. There was a little mini run in mad blanky, but as Jay has said before on the show, that was never even supposed to happen. It's just because they had so many injuries and only lasted about like six months anyway. But other than that, he hasn't really been a heel. So it could be time for another, like, one-year Shima heel run. Maybe he's lost in his career. So that if, if he's going to do that, you know, I could easily see a scenario where, you know, Ada's booked now for this There's November pay-per-view. It's going to be he's the mystery partner for the Triangle Gate team with uh, with Shingo and Kanda, right? It's Shingo, Kanda, and Ada. Hasn't it been confirmed to be Ada? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's a mystery partner. So he's booked for that show, for the Sendai pay-per-view. But Let's say final gate is Shima and Dragon Kid defending the Twin Gate against Ata and T Hawk, hmm. which I would I would expect a turn there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would not be surprised if, if that match gets booked. I would be very very unsurprised if Shima turns heel on Dragon Kid and costs on the Twin Gate. There's also a long storied history in Dragon Gate of um, someone turning heel in a Twin Gate match. We have Yamato turning on uh, Shingo. To join Matt Blanky in a Twin Gate match, costing costing his own team the Twin Gate. You have um, Saito turning on Susumu when they were Twin Gate challengers and joining Real Hazard. Um, I know there's at least one other example, but I can't think about the top of my head right now. But like this has happened before. And, and, is my, is my... and this is Shima's favorite way of of dropping a title without losing. <laughs> yeah, they, they were like there's been Twin Gate right, or Triangle Gate reigns too, like this where yeah. like Shima Shima Ricochet and Dragon Kid. Their triangle gate reign that was going on forever. Never, they never lost the belts. Yeah. They just had Dragon Kid turn face. Spike Mohicans too. Yeah. Oh yeah, Spike Mohicans too. That's right. So yeah, so Shima could easily be losing this title by turning on Dragon Kid. It, it very well could happen. The zombie veterans. Yeah. Yeah. Shima does this. I think it's happening, and I think that probably means that. Uh, I think we're looking at either Berserk 2.0 or hopefully even more so well, a completely new unit. It'd be Berserk 3.0 at this point. Really? But, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm, ho- I'm hoping for a new unit. Yeah. Because Berserk is like two, almost two and a half years old now. And yeah. That's, and that's old for a heel unit. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. But yeah, it's so- interesting times. Like, it, it was clear with the end of the Jimmies that there would just not just be them dispersing. There would be a lot more stuff happening. And... I think we're going to be entering 2017 or starting 2017 with... 2018. 2018. God. <laughs> 2018 with uh, pretty much only Maximum and Tribe Vanguard intact. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, I, I think we're seeing the end of days here for all regeneration for sure, which means we'll probably get at least one new babyface unit out of this as well. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll see what happens. I'm, I, I'm, I don't want to speculate too much because they almost, they almost always throw a curveball that you don't see coming. But, but like, if you're going to ask me what I, what I think will happen in the immediate future by final gate, I think, I think you could probably bet on Shima and DK versus the TNE team, T-Hawk and Ata, and Shima turns on Dragon Kid to give the belts to TNA. So I think Shing, I think people better get used to the idea of Babyface Shingo Takagi again, unfortunately, because I think that's coming too. I'm I'm honestly so freaking excited for the return of Tiaka and Hayes as a team. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's been a while, but they've had such great matches when they were together. I think it was that Shingo and Tozawa match that was really freaking good, right? Yeah, the one at Kobe World that year. Fourteen. Right. Didn't they have a really good one with the Kness and Dragon Kid, too? They did, awesome. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're just really, really good together. They're... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excited. Um, but yeah, so any other... Fun- uh, the graduation ceremony, I don't think we gotta go over all that. I mean, everybody talks about how great Ricochet was. It, 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 it kind of almost felt like, eh, to me, because... Like here's a guy who hasn't been in the company in two years. It was always so it's like, awkward though. Yeah, it was it was awkward having him come back and just graduate because it's like, you know, he's, he's he he cried, which I was like, buddy, you haven't even been here in two years. Yeah, like he, I get he got a I get tattoo. it tattoo. Like, I, I get, I'm not I'm not I am not questioning his loyalty. I mean his uh his feelings for Dragon Gate, but I'm, I am questioning like, why didn't you ever come back into a show in these two years then? But I don't know if New Japan wouldn't let him or what, but like it's very yeah, it's very weird to me. The, the entire thing is very weird. Is fucked, so. Yeah, yeah it, it's true they are, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, it the whole thing felt very weird to me because he'd been gone for so long anyway. But it was it was definitely the weirdest feeling graduation to me. Horiguchi cared. Yeah, Horiguchi was very upset. You could tell Horiguchi cares so much about everyone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, something that Jay did not put up in the recap that is worth saying is that uh, Ricochet kind of, I, it, it's known, but Ricochet called uh, Monde Ryu by his last name and the crowd like popped louder than anything else of that uh, night. Yeah, they were so happy to hear Kamata. It was really Kamata funny. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine calling Monde Ryu San. Like, imagine. Yeah. Ima- it was really funny. Ricochet's, Ricochet's a good lad. Yeah, yeah, and then like Doi ran down because he was doing commentary for the main event, and he, like he was like completely out of breath because he wanted to talk to him and talk about how much he loves the die fly. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Doi's adorable. And of course, President Okamura was there, which was always nice. He had a great President Okamura. Okay, President Okamura. I I never watched the the intermission things at, at Kobe World, so I hadn't seen him in a while. He got fucking old. Like he got. Old is still out. Uh, for the uh, record, that's John Carroll saying that. <laughs> not Michael Spears or Milo Martinez. We are not saying that. It was John Carroll. Okay. I, I he hangs out with some shady fox. I, yes, I know. Call me whatever you want. Okay. We all know Milo likes old men. That's not surprising. But oh my he, God. Got, he got really old, is my point. And, and he had a great suit. Like, as always. He's best, yeah, he's always best dressed. Yeah. But, yeah, it was... Uh, he made a really big deal out of Ricochet's Dragon Gate tattoo. Which... Is he oh. eligible? Is he eligible for best dressed in the Dragon Gate Awards, Milo? I think he should be because he's always best dressed. Yeah, <laughs> that suit though. Like Milo, I know you you cut off after the uh, a, after the turn, but 
His suit was great. You'd appreciate it. I believe it. Anyway, so that's the Kurrigan. Um, overall, a good show. Not not one of the better ones of the year or anything, but still better than like some of the crap they were pushing out earlier in the year. Yeah. So I call I called it above average Kurrigan, especially on the twenty seventeen scale. <laughs> so, um, you know, good good show. Not anything like you need to go out of your way to see. I, I say except maybe watch the last two matches. Uh, the the semi main was really really good, and the main event had a had a great turn at the end, and you know. Good stuff. Okay, let's get into the retro match. So mm-hmm. this was this was Milo's pick, right? Retro rewatch. Yep. It was me. So what made you decide to pick a Shima match? First of all, that's a little surprising. I mean, I felt like it was um, on point to watch this now that Mochizuki is the Dreamgate champion again because this was the match where he first won it. Yeah. It's a good um, point. So, I, you know, that's the first reason I picked this match. The second reason I picked this match is because I love to see Shima losing. <laughs> um, this match it was from December 2004. Uh, it was Final Gate, right? Yes. Was it Final Gate? Yeah, Final Gate. I've, I've only ever seen it, like, on its own, so I don't know. I think it's Final Gate. Um, it was Shima defending the Dream Gate against Vochizuki. Shima, of course, had been the very first Dream Gate champion since he was the UDG champion when... The changeover from Toriyama to Dragon Gate happened earlier in 2004. So this is the, since Mochizuki won at the end, you know, spoiler alert for a 13-year-old match. The, the Since Mochizuki went to the end, this was the very first uh, Dreamgate title change of all time. So pretty cool. Um, some things that stood out to me about this match. Uh, this match, by the way, I, th- I thought was fantastic. It's um, so good. I, I gave it like, I, I would go like four and a half on it, I think. And... To me, it's the best Shima Mochizuki singles match because the last ten minutes are like it's it's a twenty four minute match. It's like a twenty four minute match, and the last ten minutes are so crazy. Yeah, the last ten minutes are nuts, and like when we compare it to the rest of the Shima Mochizuki matches, like the two that that people think of probably immediately the the hair match at the end of two thousand one, and the um, the twenty eleven the more recent twenty eleven Dreamgate match where Shima beat Mochi for the Dreamgate at the end of 2011. I don't think either one of those are nearly as good as this match. Mm-hmm. So I think this is probably the best Shima Mochizuki singles match. What do you, what do you think of it, Mike? Um, not to completely parrot what you're saying, I agree with you. that There's been a big to-do over the last few weeks about what is the Shima singles match that you would pick if you're going to vote for him in the Hall of Fame. I- this might be it. This might be it. That's exactly what yeah. I was going to say. Uh, I loved it. Like it's, it, it also is in an interesting time of Dragon Gate at that time. It was not Final Gate. It was the Gate of Legend. But it oh, was, the Gate of Legend. Okay. But it was the last show. But like, I'm looking at the entire card of that. Like, this was during the time of Waku Waku Fuji Land. So. Yes. Which is very interesting because she okay. So <laughs> Shima comes out with Waku Waku Fuji Land here. He's still basically wearing his crazy max tights. He is not turned heel yet. Okay. Yes. Blood Generation is not formed. That's still a few weeks away. This was like, if anything, the catalyst for a seal turn. But he was a fucking dick in this match. Like, he acted very heelish early in this match, especially. Like, he attacked Mochizuki with a chair on the outside. He, like, catapulted Mochizuki's throat into the bottom rope over and over again. At one point, he turns and, like, yells at the crowd exactly like Hiroshima would yell at the crowd. So he was teasing that turn something fierce here. Um... And then, you know, it's pretty much a combination of this and then getting pinned by Ryu Saito that I think really made people, made it clear to people that Shima was about to turn, and as he did, 
Um, I've told this story before, but people thought when Aga and Izu got fired at the end of the year that it was an angle and Shima was going to return with them at the at the first Kuro Camp 2005 and be like, I'm I'm bringing Aga back. I'm a heel now. That was going to be his turn. They were half right. He was turning heel, but the Agon firing was legitimate, and they really did get fired. Um, but yeah, so he was very heelish here. Very heelish, even though he was not technically a heel. Um, there's a there's a really cool spot where like there, there's like a long struggle on the top rope where Shima gets put on the top rope, and they're like just screaming at each other and kicking and like struggling before finally Shima gets like backdrop suplex off the top. That might be my favorite spot of the match. It just went on for a while, but like the crowd is yelling. They're yelling at each other. It's just like, just really feel, makes me feel pumped to watch it. Um, then the entire match too, just like the crowd is going insane for this match yeah. on a level that like current Dragon Gate honestly struggles to reach. Like that, the crowd heat was just incredible for this match. Um, at one point, Shima goes for the old school Venus Iconoclasm Mad Splash uh, full course finish, as it was called. But Moti kind of gets his knees up and then immediately hits Sankaku Gary. That was a really cool spot. Mike, do you remember what Shima called that guillotine DT thing he did? Oh, I actually have this <laughs> written down. Like, my, my favorite spot of the match was that this was early in the match where they were doing rope running, and Shima did, was doing consecutive leapfrogs over him, like, nonstop, and then he does the good... He did the guillotine DT, and he did it a couple times in this match. Do you remember what it was called? I'm looking... Uh, it is the the Nakayubi. Nakayubi, okay. Cause he, he never does that move anymore, but at the time, in this match, he was doing it over and over again. He, he never um, does half a, of the moves that he does in this match, like the Toker. Uh, yeah. What's the Toker ref again? That's his uh, coast-to-coast missile dropkick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so Shima, Shima, he did he did a great counter of the twister into the into the guillotine DT at one point. So that was a really cool spot. Um, and then they were like the kickouts started getting really crazy at the end, where Shima kicks out of the twister, Mojizuki kicks out of the the what was it the Tokoref? Yeah, so the Tokoref, yeah, the Tokoref shrine combo. Like that was a great near fall. Like if I didn't know Shima lost that match, I can't imagine I would have been like, what the fuck. Um, so it was like a Tokoref into the shrine. The crowd too, like lost their minds for that kick out. Like they, you could tell they absolutely thought that was the finish. Um, uh, Shima hits the full course after that. He actually hits the Venus Iconoclasm match flash, but Mochi kicks out, which again, the crowd was going insane. And Shima goes for the, uh, the shrine red line, which was that weird swine submission that he, he originally came up with to counter Yoshino, I believe. Right. Wasn't that the original point of that move? Yeah. Cause I was during the, it was either Yoshino or Susumu because I was during a time that everyone um, got their it, own their own swine variant. I think it, I, I think it was Susumu. Yeah, I think it was Susumu. But yeah, he got the swine red line. But Mochi like gets out of it. Then hits like this insane like slap kick combo, ending with the Shinsaikyo high kick, and that gets the pen. So yeah, four. I guess I got Mochi kicking out of the swine at one. Oh yeah, that, that was way early, that was earlier, right? That was that was crazy, and the crowd went crazy for it. Yeah, the crowd went nuts. So he had two shrines in this match. Wow, but but yeah, what a, what a crazy match! Four and a half, maybe even four and three quarters. I don't know. Yeah, but outstanding match, and definitely like what up there for Shima's best all time singles matches, I think, and a really good one for Mochizuki too. Mm-hmm. So definitely check. <coughs> Sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I just going to say one of my. I don't know. I was just say it was really good. Just keep, go ahead, Miles. 
No, I, I think this is one of the matches that you would show someone if you were trying to explain why Mochizuki's nickname is the Iron Man of Dragon Gate. Yeah. Because, I mean, Shima beats him to a pulp, gives him basically everything that he has. Mm-hmm. And Mochizuki basically just gets up and he's like, that's all you got? Yeah. He... And, I mean, granted, he was much younger than he is today back then. Um, but it's really one of those one of those matches that really show you how resilient he is and how how that nickname really suits him. Wow, someone's typing very loudly. Sorry, it's my it's keyboard. My... <laughs> it's always my keyboard. <laughs> well, anyway, so... So, but yeah, this is this is you know it's a great. Mochizuki was doing this 13 years ago, you know, and there were people who thought this. This sounds insane now, but do you remember? You must you might remember this, Mike. 2004, people thought that was his last year in wrestling. Well, like he like, he made it to do about it. That was yeah. The thing. He turned heel to join Agon, and people were like, oh yeah, this makes sense. He wants one last heel run in his last year in wrestling. It's 13 How, years. Wait, was 30? He was only 34. But people thought he was going to retire young, basically. Like, he, he had made a big to-do about it. But look at him now. 13 years later, he's Dream Gate champion, 47 years old. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's insane. But, yeah, so this started Mochizuki's title reign, which didn't last that long because he lost the belt to uh, to Kishiwada. When, when, when did that – that was, like, August 2005 or something? November 4th. Oh, okay. So you had that – never mind. What am I telling you, man? He had it for, like, 11 months. Yeah, he had four weeks. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pretty pretty good title reign. Mm-hmm. Not uh, to me, it's not his legendary one. His legendary one is twenty eleven, but yeah, uh, but still a very good reign. Um, yeah, though, good, really good pick. Thank you, Milo, for that. No problem. What are you What are you gonna pick for us, Mike, for next week for next episode? So this is gonna sound like I'm making big to do, but I had originally a certain match. And then I started thinking about another match. And then today, because talking all about TNE made me think of another match, that I have a random number generator popped up right now. And I'm about to <laughs> generate. And the first match I thought of is going to be one. The TNE match is three. And then the other match is two. Let's see what I get. All right. Uh, it's going to be. <laughs> I got three, so it's going to be the. Uh, the uh, T-Hawk and Ada versus Shingo Takagi Akira Tozawa match. Okay, uh, that's a great, great pick. Yeah. So that's that. That'll be next. The next retro rewatch match. Mm-hmm. As always, um, if you want to watch it before you listen to the episode, I tweet them out on the Open the Voice Gate Twitter account on Google Drive, so you can check out that match for yourself. So it's at Open Voice Gate. So again, if you want to see the retro rewatch match before we talk about it on the next episode, I will tweet it out before we record. At Open Voice Gate, definitely check it. Check it there. Um, so let's get into the questions then. Um, we don't have a lot this week actually, so let's get into them here. The first question comes from Greg H. Greg HG at Goodnight Love Thirty Five. Uh, will Ozami Kodaka go live with Shima's parents after Shingo pulled and abused Kodaka's tail in the Psycho Tag League? Um, I'm gonna go with no. <laughs> Any any other any anyone want to disagree with that that answer? I, I don't know who Asami Kadaka is. So what the fuck? You how do you not know that? I don't watch Big Japan. <laughs> well, Asami wrestles a lot, like he's a lot every, of places. Yeah, he's like, like a million promotions. Guys, yeah, yeah you, you, you know, like the amount of wrestling I watch and what promotions I watch. Come on, man! You it's never heard like, of- he's, 
mostly a deathmatch wrestler, but he's also like a really, really good wrestler overall, basically. Yeah, he wrestles all over the place. Come on, Mike. Uh, Come on. Like DDT champion for a while. Um, uh, uh, yeah, he, he Union Pro, Basarla, none, none of these ring a bell. Oh, oh, the promotions ring a bell, but I don't watch them. If I, I if, if I show you a picture of him, you will know who he is. I, I would type in Google search him right now, but we know how loud my keyboard is. So I'll take Mute your mic. Just mute your mic, Mike. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, I love Asami Kodaka's cosplay. I have to say he, I saw him at, yeah, y- so- at YMZ. I, I saw him live at YMZ in that outfit and his Goku, his son Goku outfit. It was great. Yeah. So basically to explain that to Mike, um, Asami has a um, son Goku cosplay that he loves to wear. And when he wore it at the um, at the Big Japan uh, Kodakuen on the 15th of October, he was in a match against Shingo, and Shingo pulled his tail. Okay. So that's that's the basis for this question. And no, I don't recognize him. Oh my God, Michael! Like that's embarrassing. John, you don't you, you didn't know who CCK was, okay? Yeah, but the American Indies fucking suck. CCK are British. CCK are British. Uh, Brit- that that sucks even worse. <laughs> Wow. No, it's not. <laughs> it's really not. Yeah, CCK it, might be one of the best tag teams of the year, bud. American yeah. Indie Sock, British Indie uh, Sock. What incarnation of hashtag, hashtag Japan only. Thank you. Uh, I, I like all the combos of CCK. I love uh, Chris Brooks, Lycos, and Travis Banks in any combo. So Hashtag Japan only. Okay, uh, John. Um... <laughs> All right, so um, does will Asami Kodaka go live with Shima's parents? No, I don't think so. Andrew at Angry216 says, what are your favorite Ricochet matches in Dragon Gate? Um, I think we all have the same answer, right? Wait, what, what, were you gonna, what was your answer? Uh, Shima and Ricochet versus Pac and Dragon Kid. That's up there for me, but um, I don't know if that's my very favorite. Um, mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to think about this for a second. Let me, go, you guys go. Go ahead. What's well, your favorite? I'm actually like this is hard for me too because uh, I really liked a lot of his Brave Gate run. To be honest, like mm. he had some really, uh, I, especially given that time period that that was a time period that they gave more time for the Brave Gate. You know, like he he was really solid with that. Like the the match he dropped it to Dragon Kid was a was a good match and one of my favorites. Uh, there was the Yoshino match that was I that was great, and then what he won from Pac was tremendous. So. I, you know what? I, you know, I think my pick um, it, it's between to me. It is down to two twin gate matches. It's the one Milo mentioned or and I think this is actually the one I like better from 20, the Kobe World 2013 Dorian Ricochet against Tozawa and BB Hulk. Yeah, I think that, that I think that one. I think that might actually be my favorite. So yeah. that that's That's going to be my pick. But yeah, Milo, the one Milo mentioned for 2011, that one's also really, really good. And yeah, a lot of those Brave Gate matches are really good. You really, really can't go wrong with Ricochet and Dragon Gate, honestly. Uh, I mean, I, I might think his Dreamgate stuff is like the worst of it, honestly. Like, I like I like his Twin Gate and his Brave Gate stuff way better. And to be fair, like he only had one defense of the Dreamgate. Like, yeah. And the Uha match was fine. Like, it was probably three and a three quarters. Like, it wasn't amazing, but it was fine. But I'm yeah. The match. Won- but I, I thought the match we lost to he lost it to Yamato was a little disappointing. Yeah, but the match he won it from Yoshino was great. Yeah. That match probably is his best singles match now I'm thinking of it. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Just because that was so unexpected. Yeah. Because, uh-huh. like, like it, it's, like, I remember at the time, and I don't know if this was right around when you were getting into Dragon Gate Milo or not, but uh, 
when he won the belt, like it became legitimate news in the wrestling industry. Like, mm-hmm. it, like I remember like distinctly the cover, the the, the front of the Figure Four uh, Wrestling Observer website had a, a picture of Ricochet and and World One International wearing like those bad pink tights, and it was like first ever Gaijin Dreamgate champion, and it was up there for like a week. Yeah, so, like it was like first and still only. First and still say. only. I did, and. To be honest, that might be a record that will last for a long time. Oh, we, we should mention, too, we forgot, we totally forgot to mention at the end of the show, Shima mentioned that Eita, or not Eita, what am I saying? Ricochet recommended some, as he said, Guy Kokujin. He was polite. He, said, he didn't say Gaijin, he said Guy Kokujin. Some foreign wrestlers um, for Dragon Gate that he hopes will carry on his tradition. So I think he's going to bring some of the men, he said. So we'll see. We'll have to see who that is. I wonder who. Speculation. Who is, Rick, who is Ricochet recommending? I don't. I, you guys are probably better than me if you just covered. I don't really watch American Indies anymore. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't. I don't. Watch, I don't watch American Indies, and I don't know who Ricochet works with, so I have no idea who it is. I mean, if we're talking like PWG guys, um, Chuck I don't, Taylor. I don't, please be Chuck well, Taylor. It's not going to be Chuck Chuck Taylor's going to New Japan, buddy. I don't care. Please be Chuck Taylor. That's who it's gonna. Chuck Taylor's in New Japan now. He's I don't going care. To, Chuck Taylor in DDT. 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 He was in Dragon Gate. Is Sami still? That's why I said DDT. Go, go watch some. Go watch some old Dragon Gate tapes. He was there for like a month. Yeah, but it, was less, it was less than yeah. a month. Less than a month. Can you imagine the tweets Chuck Taylor would make about the Dragon Gate roster? Yeah, I, I can. I can imagine. But I'm telling you, you're you're bark up the wrong tree. He's a New Japan heavyweight now. And she yeah. uh, does not like so, it. Who, who, realistically, who could it be? I don't know PWG, Mike. Okay, so uh, unlike John, who is hashtag Japan only, I watch a lot of US and UK and European stuff. So I'm going to th- float out about three names. Actually, three okay. names, including maybe a, a tag team. The tag team, I do think that would be over like Rover and Dragon Gate would be CCK. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.